This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Happy Friday, everybody. Let's get to it. Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson along with Michael Remus with you. Heading into an absolutely massive sports weekend and a massive show here on WST. Bombers, Riders, Sunday afternoon. We're going to chop it up with Eddie Tate with a little report from IG Field as the Bombers finish up their final practice for the game. And we can't talk Bombers, Riders in such a massive game without bringing back our pal Rod Peterson, the longtime voice of the Riders and the host of the RP show to join us. So Hot Rod will uh, bluster in in less than 20 minutes on the program. We'll talk to Ed. And of course, there's lots of Jets news to get to uh, as well with games tonight against the New Jersey Devils after three days off. And then Sunday night, following the Bomber game, the red-hot Toronto Maple Leafs come to town to take on your Winnipeg Jets in a game that will be Blake Wheeler, Winnipeg Jets captain's 1,000th NHL game. So Sean Reynolds is going to pop by later on. If we have time, we'll maybe get to a little bit of Coach Maurice. And at the end of the program, we've got another big marble race with some prizes from our friends at Canadian Club, official sponsor of Winnipeg Sports Talk and the Bombers, as well as a uh, a bit of a preview of an interview we did with Kevin Selch, the owner of Little Brown Jug, a special happy anniversary to our friends over at Little Brown Jug. Today is the day, five years in business here in Winnipeg. Um, so Remus and I went down earlier this week, sat down, talked to him about Little Brown Jug, five years, getting the business started, some of the beers the event that's happening tonight from 6 to 12. Pop down if you've got nothing to do. Should be a great event. Um, so we'll actually have that in its entirety at the end of the program, premiering right around 3.05 on the YouTube channel. If you're listening on podcast, um, and pop by on the weekend and check it out. I have to first off give Michael Remus an incredible amount of credit. I know I did Barry Horowitz myself for figuring out how the tech worked to actually do the show from Saskatchewan last week, although he helped me out basically telling me what to do. But when you see this uh, this video, an interview from Little Brown Jug, what's really going to stand out to you is how Remus somehow learned to be an expert video editor over the course of the last few days. I saw it last night. It's really, really well done. So I'm looking forward to, you to, uh, to all of you uh, to see that. Um, of course, Welcome to our sponsors, Little Brown Jug amongst them all, our newest sponsor, F Apparel, our friends at Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, of course, Canadian Club, and our betting partner at Cool Bet Canada. Let's get Remus in here because we've got a lot to get to right off the bat, including some tickets to give away now often we'll do tickets live on the youtube we'll do many of our prizes because of the the live nature of the program on youtube but remo with the uh with the fact that our good friend mike Carrar, loyal listener shout out to you mike popped by and gave us a pair of tickets for a wst listener i figured the best way to do this for such a big game is make sure that we can include our podcast listeners to get in on it as well yeah, I think this is a really good, a really good plan. We see a lot of people tweeting us. Um, their Spotify Wrapped 2021. A lot of top listeners, but we've also had people messaging us. Hey, I'm I'm not on Spotify. I'm on Google. Here's here's my list. So, um, what are you gonna say? If you're, you know, you can email us or DM us on Twitter or Instagram. 
what a screenshot of you subscribe yeah, either the... or you know i don't even need to know if it needs to be a dm i mean just send us a tweet yeah. send us an instagram just take a screenshot of the fact that you're subscribed uh, we love seeing those spotify playlists if you've got winnipeg sports talk up high in your listings for 2021 um so yeah if you can do that send a spotify wrapped or just a screenshot of the fact that you're subscribed to either the podcast or the youtube channel hit us up at sports talk wpg on twitter or Instagram, or if for whatever reason you don't have either of those, you can do the same thing. Take that picture and email it to winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. We'll give everybody about 24 hours to listen to the pod and get the uh, their entries in, and we'll contact the winner and do a post tomorrow afternoon announcing the winner. So a uh, big thanks to Mike for doing that. Very, very cool of him. And... Uh, Good luck to everybody. Hope to see you all there. If you don't win the tickets, there still are some available. But it's going to be awesome, Remus. We're going to talk to Ed Tate about it a little later on. The weather getting a bit nicer for the game as well. Daytime high of minus six, which is much better than we've been thinking it's going to be for the last couple of weeks. And, uh, well, thank God it's on Sunday because I think the daytime high on Monday is supposed to be minus 23. So uh, Mother Nature even getting ready for the game between the green and the blue on Sunday afternoon. Yes. Uh, what were we saying? Minus 10. And I, I can bring up the uh, weather network weather here. And we'll see what the weather network. Environment Canada had minus six. I'll go with that if it's higher than the weather networks. Uh, weather network. I'm pulling it up right now. Sun, su what the heck? It doesn't have Sunday. I should have been more prepared for this, Hus. I don't know. This is stupid. I got nothing here. The, apparently the weekend ends Saturday evening on the weather network. Like here's the weather network Friday, Saturday, where, where is the Sunday on this, on this thing? Just, that would be, that would be helpful. Where is the uh, Sunday weather network? What the environment, H? environment Canada has a daytime high of no, now it's minus eight, uh, with periods of snow. And to be honest, that sounds absolutely perfect. Yeah. We knew it was going to be a little chilly. It's a December game. Oh, Weather Network has a daytime high of minus five. So we'll go with the date with the Weather Network. Um, bottom line, it's going to be minus six single digits. Hopefully the snow will be coming down. The visuals will be incredible. And the bottom line is the background is going to be all blue as Bomber Nation gets ready to uh, see their team mm -hmm. get back on the field and hopefully send them off to the Grey Cup. And something that I'll touch on with um, Ed a little later on, Remo, that I'd be remiss if we didn't mention right now. Not only is it the final home game for the Bombers this year as they try to complete running the table and head to the Grey Cup, but it is also Bob Irving's final game. And what a great way to send Bob off into retirement, hopefully with a big win for the Blue and Gold, but also a pregame ceremony celebrating his 49 years covering the team and uh, Bob Irving is going to be going into the uh, into the Bomber Ring of Honor as well. So um, another great reason to get there early, maybe get a couple CCs in you, get to the seats, uh, congratulate Bob on a job well done, uh, on a legendary career here in Winnipeg, and then get him up to the boot booth to hopefully see the Bombers uh, run all over the Riders. Uh, certainly, that's what Bomber fans are expecting to see in the afternoon.
Yes, I am so fired up. As you said, uh, it'll be very picturesque. Great for getting social media likes. You're going to want to be on the Bomber game, <laughs> Epic Bomber game. If you want to post it on, get all those likes. But here we are, minus five. It's like the weather knew us that uh, it had to be nice for Sunday the 5th. Minus five feels like minus 12. But Monday, minus 22 feels like minus 29. So I'm I'm super, I'm getting fired up. I'm getting uh, more, more excited uh, as we go. Yeah, no, it's going to be great. We're going to be out there. Hope to see many of you there as well. I do know that um, they're going to do a bunch of neat things outside the stadium before the game as well. I think they've got some of the festival games from the Festival de Voyageur. Uh, I know there's rally towels for the first 20,000 fans heading into the game. Um, and I know the Not Autocorp uh, group that I'm going to be going to the game with, I believe, has a tent outside. So we'll be there milling about, probably getting a couple in us before the game beforehand outside the stadium and then in, getting loud and having a great time all afternoon. So we're going to spend a lot of time talking about the game uh, with Rod Peterson and with Ed Tate. And then, Remo, we'll uh, bring in uh, our pal Rennie, Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet for a few minutes to talk about this Jet game tonight. And I think also, of course, Sunday night's game because, um, you know, for all the angst of which I had much of it, tried to kind of cleanse myself with these conversations and great ones over the last few days with Ken Weeb, with Murata Tesh, with Jeff Hamilton. Uh, it's time for the Jets to get back into the win column tonight. Very important game. I think not only in the standings that they find themselves on the outside of the playoffs looking in right now, but also to get back in the win column, hopefully get some positive momentum going into two incredibly tough games with two of the top teams in the league coming in, the Leafs and the Canes. But of course, the Leafs game on Sunday night following the Bomber game a very special game for the organization. Of course, Captain Blake Wheeler as he plays NHL game number 1,000. Yeah, huge props to Blake Wheeler. One thing that has always amazed me about his career, not um, you know that he's been an elite player in the NHL. You know, you look at points leaders over the last 10 years, um, he's at the top. But to get to 1,000 games, you have to be, and first of all, you have to be very good and play for a long time. But you have to be healthy. And you look at his seasons. Um, I'll bring up his hockey DB right here. Uh, I think this is absolutely incredible. You have an 81-game season, 82-game season, 80-game season, 48 in the lockout season, 82, 82, 79, 82, 81, 82. I mean, how many seasons has this guy had where he's played just about every game? Don't forget the 81 in yeah. 2018. The game that he missed yeah. was the final game of the regular season after the Jets had clinched their playoff spot, and they forced him to sit down it's, for that game it, going into exactly. the playoffs. And it's not like this guy hasn't had close calls. We talked yesterday. I posted a video on my Twitter, him running into the door. I remember there was a play in St. Louis. He got shoved, like hit his knee into the post. He's taken a puck to the throat. He's taken a puck to the balls. Um, you remember in the playoffs last year, had the famous line that he's oh. uh, ha had kids already. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's. I think it's incredible. So uh, yeah, he's at, this is nine 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 game, uh, and he's among you know franchise leaders, the you know, what Jets Thrashers franchise, but also among the one that matters, uh, Winnipeg NHL. Uh, leaders for what games play points. I can bring that up after. So I think, it, yeah, definitely got to honor the guy for his 1000th game. It was a great ceremony last year with Paul Stasny. And I think the team got a boost from that. I think it would be better now that there's actually fans in the building uh, for Sunday. Also, huge sports. Day. I mean, if the Bombers win, and I know a lot of people are going to the, doing the double header, I think it'll be a, you know even more fired up crowd than normal. 
Well, absolutely. And of course, there'll be probably a lot of blue and white in the crowd as well, as uh, inevitably happens when the Leafs come in. But, you know, for the first time in a long time, the Leaf fans will have a lot of reason to pump their chests out right now because their team is absolutely rolling right now. Nine and one right now in first place, playing some really good hockey. And it's going to be a huge test for the Winnipeg Jets. But I did want to bring up Wheeler's thousandth game. We've kind of touched on this. A lot of the topics have been what's not happening with Blake Wheeler right now. Um, No goals so far in the season, a really sluggish start dealing with COVID as well earlier on. Um, and all those topics will continue to be around until things completely, you know, maybe get going in the right direction for uh, he, his line mates. But I think it's important for this weekend for a lot of you that have been bent about what's happened with the team over the last couple of weeks to sort of, sort of separate the now as well as maybe who you are upset with, which in many cases is the coach for, you know, how he's putting the lines together and who he's putting out there. Again, that is the coach's decision. The captain doesn't call those shots. Um, So, uh, you know what, next week, if things are still going poorly, um, you know, we'll be talking about all those things. But let's all just take a step back. If you've been a Jet fan, if you've been following this team since 2011, and just recognize how much this man has given of himself to the organization and um, and his spot in Winnipeg Jets history, which is right up there with some of the best players that we've had ever playing in this city in the National Hockey League right now. So um, the best way to celebrate 1,000 games would be to get a win tonight and then get another one against the Toronto Maple Leafs on Sunday night. We'll see whether that happens. We'll talk about with Sean Reynolds later on. Um, but I know the tone, certainly even of this program. And I mean, I'm probably the most guilty of it. I mean, uh, I was at that game. I walked out. There were some big, hard questions about where the Winnipeg Jets are, what's happening, the direction they're going in, and how things are going to change. And the captain certainly is a part of that. Um, but when it comes to this weekend, these conversations heading into this game, um, big picture, I think we need to just recognize um, just what a great Jet Blake Wheeler has been, um, what a great thousand games that it's been, what a great career he's had so far, and certainly hope that it turns around um, and you know we get more out of the captain and more of this hockey team going into the Christmas holiday season as well as into uh, into 2022. Yeah. Um, as far as the game goes today, no real changes. Um, you know, a light morning skate. Um, really, we were talking about everything that the way it looked yesterday in practice which, of course, is still Connor Shifley-Wheeler, um, probably the first line. But Nikolai Ehlers with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Andrew Kopp, and that is a line that we saw a lot of last season. Um, but again, that was at a time where Dubois, I think, was really finding himself and struggling. Pierre-Luc Dubois is a completely different player this year for anyone that's watched it. Um, Nikolai Ehlers has been sort of struggling. So um, as much as a lot of the oxygen has been sucked up talking about that top line right now and Connor Shifley and Wheeler back together, um, I certainly hope to see um, Nikolai Ehlers have a bit more of a jump in his step and uh, get off to a good start in this game playing with Pierre-Luc Dubois uh, because Ehlers is equally as important as maybe any other player in the forward group right now and getting him going and productive again, um, absolutely imperative for this team to uh, get back into the playoffs and be the team that we all know that they can be. Yeah, here's the line. Thanks to Ken for putting them out. We have Connor Shafley wheeler Cop Dubois, Ehlers, as you mentioned, Stasny, Lowry, Veselainen, Veselainen getting upgraded, and Harkins, Toninato, Svechnikov. So I'm looking forward to these. The defense, they haven't really changed all year, Huss. Um, Morsi Schmidt, Dylan Pionk, Stanley DeMello, Hellebuck in goal. I am excited for the second line, Cop Dubois, Ehlers, and I agree. I mean, I think Ehlers has shown flashes this year, but he hasn't been, you know, he hasn't scored in the last couple, but again, no, nobody really has. So it is a different Pierre-Luc Dubois, so I do think they'll have an impact 
Um, Connor Schaefer, the Wheeler, they're going to have to get on the board as well. Maybe we'll see Wheeler's first goal of the season before his 1,000th uh, career game. And I'm kind of curious what kind of minutes we'll see from this fourth line because I think they can be effective with uh, Svechnikov, Harkins, Tony Nato. Uh, they've shown that, but um, you know this team's kind of been a three-line team the last uh, couple seasons. But you know that when they roll, when they're able to roll all four, I, I think they're more successful. I don't know if I don't know if that's a that I don't know if that's a cause and effect or, or what what the correlation is there. But uh, I think that's something to watch as well based on uh, what we saw the other night. Connor Hellebuck in the starters net tonight. He will go for the Winnipeg Jets. Been a while since we've seen Eric Comrie make a start, but um, with the way Hellebuck's playing, you can understand why Maurice continues to go back to him. And the fact of the matter is this team's desperate to get back in the win column, and Connor Hellebuck is their best player and gives him the best chance to win every night he's in the lineup. So we'll get to more Jets talk with Kent, with uh, Rennie a little bit later on in the program. If we have time, I might hear a little bit from Coach Paul Maurice. But Remo, before we bring in... Um, before we bring in Rod Peterson in a few minutes, we have to talk about this big story today that's breaking in the Canadian Football League. Uh, my jaw's been on the floor for the better part of the last couple of hours trying to understand what is going on in Toronto. But Dave Naylor is reporting that the Toronto Argonauts sent McLeod Bethel-Thompson last night to the Air Canada Centre or Scotiabank Arena, whatever it's called now, for the Raptor game to sit courtside to do an interview with TSN to help promote the game on the weekend. There it is. Here's the actual tweet. Hearing Argos quarterback McLeod Bethel-Thompson has been sent home and is being held out of practice today because of attending the Raptors game at his team's request. It is a violation of CFL COVID protocol, which states he must now quarantine four days. Game day is Sunday. Um, Obviously, reading that from Dave Naylor, who works with TSN, very tight in with the Canadian Football League, brings up the possibility that the starting quarterback for the East Division champs, the Toronto Argonauts, will not be able to play because of being told by his team to go to the Argos to help, to go to the Raptors game to help promote it. I mean, there are so many things to get to right off the hop. First of all, this is the stupidest rule I've ever heard. I've, I did not know that that was the case. Um, you know, if players, and by the way, Bethel Thompson's fully vaccinated, fully vaccinated player going into a venue of fully vaccinated people and you'd have to quarantine for four days. I don't get that at all. But aside from the fact, there's a lot of people making this out like McLeod Bethel Thompson was just recklessly running around and floating the rules, the league's rules. That's absolutely not the case. Um, I, I have to admit, and I tweeted this out a little earlier. Randy Ambrosi needs to step in here, and he needs to allow common sense to prevail. McLeod Bethel-Thompson should be playing on Sunday for the good of the Argos, but for the good of the league, if he is not playing in this game, the CFL will look like an absolute laughingstock. And, um, I mean, it's just incredibly unfortunate. It's unfortunate for the Argos, at minimum, that he wasn't able to practice today, and Antonio Pipkin was taking the first-team reps we don't have any clarity on exactly how this is going to end up working out. 
But I will tell you, this is um, embarrassing, the fact that we're talking about it at all, heading into playoff weekend, and something that could absolutely be devastating for the Argos. And uh, I'll tell you what, I don't think it's Coach Ryan Dinwiddie. I don't think it's the GM. It's sure as hell not the quarterback that deserved the blame on this. How this was allowed to happen in the fashion that it did is an absolute joke. But if the East final is tarnished by, and I say this, folks, as someone that has a significant bet on the Ticats to win the game, but uh, th- 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 this can't happen. Remo, where are you at on it? Oh, yeah. he. I, I agree rules are rules, but I think you got to use some common sense here. I mean, if you test negative and, you know, quarantines for three days before the game, like what's what's the difference here? What are we doing? You're vaccinated. I mean, you went to the game. I know everyone at the games has to be vaccinated as well. I don't really see – using common sense, I don't see an issue here, so – I agree, you know, it's against the rules. Apparently, Brandon Banks of the Ticats tweeted that he wanted to go to the Raptors game, but was told no. But, I mean, this isn't a guy flaunting the rules. He was told by the team to go to promote the league in a city that it needs to be promoted in, to promote the game on the rights holder. This is this is idiotic if he was not allowed to play. It would no, be so so dumb. And it would also, like, you know, also some people are saying it's rigged so Hamilton is in the Grey Cup uh, in their in their own city. But it would be so, it would be so sad if oh, he couldn't if he couldn't play. It would be really really. I, dumb. I can't wait to hear Rod's take on all of this. I, of course, I put out that tweet, and I'm getting all of the COVID Karens in my mentions right now. So give him a free pass to break the rules. Shouldn't he, as a team leader, to be held to a higher standard? Here's another one. Whether it's stupid or not, the players, including MBT, agreed to it when they received their game checks. It's the end of the season. It's not like it's week one while everyone is figuring it out. MTB is just as responsible for whoever asked him to go. Unfortunate, but, well, uh, Brian... Why should the CFL bend the rules for a player who broke the rules that were laid out and as clear as day? You think that they were that clear? I don't think that they were that clear, to be perfectly honest with you. Um, I don't think for a second that McLeod Bethel-Thompson or anyone involved in that thought that there was any issue at all with sending him to the game. And the funny thing about this, Reem, is that, you know, and I believe Hamilton put tweeted this out, Jeremiah Masoli is an unvaccinated player from what we understand. He's going to be allowed to play in the game, but your double-vax quarterback who went to promote the game on request of the team would be. Um, and as I say, I want Hamilton to win. I have a sizable wager on Hamilton, but this just doesn't sit right for everyone. And for the Ryder fans that are coming out going, hey, that's the rules. Um, your boy Lucius Purifoy spent the night in a drunk tank on Sunday. You think everyone was double vaxxed in the tank there in Regina? I doubt it. Um, pretty sure he was able to practice this week. This is just a stupid rule. This is embarrassing for the Canadian Football League right now. And the fact that we are having this conversation is really unfortunate. But to me, this calls on some real leadership from Commissioner Ambrosi and a few of the Karens out there that, you know, don't like any, well, the, the, People that are all about breaking the rules that have no concept of common sense might be bent out of shape, but the league will be far worse off if they go out and it's Antonio Pipkin that has to play quarterback for the Argos in a game to determine the Eastern Division representative in the Grey Cup because of this mess. Hold on, I just saw a tweet from, or a message in chat from Tracy saying that he can play if he quarantines for two days and has a negative test. So, um, Oh, here, here, Scott Stinson just tweeted it out, so... Uh, I guess I won't be tweeting out this video. Here's a tweet. CFL <laughs> announced MBT 
uh, will be allowed to play on Sunday if he quarantines at home until then and clears some tests. I mean, let's use common sense here. So there you go. There it you says, go. I mean, <laughs> we can talk to Rod about both this after. The, but can we just talk about how stupid it is that there anyone has to quarantine after attending a game? I mean, what the hell are you asking everyone to do on Sunday afternoon here in Winnipeg? Yeah, I to don't. go to a game. Everyone's going to be fully vaccinated. Everyone's going to be at IG Field watching this game exactly like Bethel Thompson was yesterday at the Raptors game. So should everyone have to quarantine for the? I, I I don't get this. I mean, I know that the leagues had to do and put together a bunch of protocols to get back on the field, but I mean, man, we're, this isn't new. We're we're not. We've been doing this for a while. We understand where we're at. Um, I, to be honest, I just can't not. I can't believe that this come, came out today, but I will say this. Thank God that some common sense is, uh, it, well, it seems to be coming into play. So, you know, unfortunately, he won't be able to practice today. He'll probably miss the walkthrough. Um, and then presuming that he's got a negative yeah, test on Saturday, he'll be back in there and uh, and we'll, uh, we'll see him in there. Um, we had Rod, but Rod was on the highway somewhere in South Florida. So we'll see whether he wants to, uh, where he comes back in. Um, let me quickly... First off, before we do anything, welcome in our sponsors as well as our newest sponsor, our guys over at F Apparel, 190 Smith Street downtown. The makers of custom suits for men. Well, not just custom suits for men, but full custom clothing for any occasion. Suits, dress shirts, winter jackets like pea coats and, and more, casual chinos, golf pants, shoes, plus ties and accessories. Um, you know, I know we haven't worn suits very much for the last couple of years for obvious reasons, but every guy needs a suit that fits them, that looks great, that they can use for all sorts of events. And F's custom suits begin at just $400. Um, if you're like me and you get asked, oh, what do you want for Christmas? And you don't really know, maybe think about an F gift card, which by the way, right now, digital gift cards bought online come with a 15% discount until Christmas. So you can buy a $200 gift card for only $170. Uh, you can pop in and purchase or buy them online at F Apparel, that's ephapparel.com. Or I'll pop down and see him at 190 Smith Street downtown. It was great to see Kenny come on with one of the uh, F suits last night. It was a very perfect um, convergence of uh, Weber. And again, F's dressed so many of the players, many people in the media. A great spot to go. And if you are um, planning on a you know a wedding or if you've got an event where you've got a group, uh, there's a 15% discount as well when the group brides their suits there for, uh, for wedding parties. Big shout out to our friends at F Apparel. Um, and hey, Culligan Water's got a lot going on in December as well. Um, but, it, you know, you've got enough on your hands this with holiday hosting this year. Get a Culligan water softener and cut down on those hard water stains for sparkling clean sinks, tubs, and showers everyone will appreciate. With the Culligan water softener, you'll keep water stains off your glass and dishes for a holiday sparkle even your mother-in-law will love. And all month of December, they've got a great promo. Enjoy Culligan water for $9.99 for the first three months. Call Culligan at 204-694-5180. Uh, of course, you can give the gift of Culligan water for $9.99 for the first three months. Uh, you can also see him at 1200 Sergeant Avenue. 
or uh, hit them up online at drinkculligan.com. And, uh, of course, our friends at Vita Health Fresh Market are ready for the weekend and ready for the holidays as well. This is the spot stocked with the best selection of local, organic, and natural groceries, supplements, and beauty products at great prices too. Uh, and if you're into organic produce, local grass-fed meats, um, and for me, a single guy on the go, a great grab-and-go deli with delicious, healthy salads, amazing sandwiches. It's all there at any of the seven Vita Health Fresh Markets in town, including the new one in Linden Ridge. Uh, you can also find out more online at myvita.ca. Um, so, Remo, while we look to see what's up with uh, with Rod, as I said, we saw Rod. Rod Rod's good. Oh, oh, Rod's good? Perfect. I can't see him right now on the screen, but... Oh. Uh, Let's uh let's fire it up. I was sitting around. Oh, I have to apologize, Rod. I thought we lost you there. Now he's ready to go. Let's bring him in. Longtime voice of the riders, now the host of the world famous Rod Peterson show. I'm so pumped to talk to you about the game. But first off, how are you doing? And um what's up? Has the has the RP show transitioned to a South Florida headquarters now? There we go. There we go. How are things down in uh, in South FLA? Did the HQ move down there for the RP show or what? Well, why not? You said earlier today when you texted me that you're jealous. So yeah, it's been good. I have. I've, I've been on top of all the CFL news, watching it all, obviously NFL too. And actually, just before I came on with you. I had an email from the CFL. I was going to forward it to you, Hus, but um, Remus saw the tweet, obviously, about how Macbeth's going to be able to play. The exact wording of it was that he needs to quarantine for two days and two nights. You asked about him going to the walkthrough. He's not going to be allowed to participate in any meetings in person all weekend long. Basically, when he shows up for the game on Sundays, the next time he's going to be able to get inside the stadium. So... Um, you saw Naylor's tweet this morning where he said he's going to be subject to a four-day quarantine. My guess was that Randy Ambrosi was going to overrule the protocol and allow him to play. Oh, and by the way, he's subject to three COVID tests that he needs to pass, all negative, before he can play Sunday, which I expect is going to happen too. So what a story, huh? Yeah, I, I mean, of course, I uh, like the minute I heard this heading into 11 o'clock here in Winnipeg, I'm like, oh, I cannot wait to see what Rod has to say at the start of the RP show on this. And uh, I mean, it was literally breaking as we got in. But sometimes um, it just seems, I mean, we both love the Canadian football league. It seems like they can't get out of their own way. Um, th- this, it will go down as one of the more embarrassing chapters of self-inflicted controversy and drama that we've ever heard. I, I can't even believe that we're talking about it right now. Um, because first of all, it's one of the dumbest rules I've ever heard, um, for a vax double vax guy to go into a double vaxed event. As I said to Remus, they're asking 30,000 people to go to the game on the weekend. Everyone's going to be double vaxxed. Are they all supposed to quarantine for two days before they go back to work? What the hell are we doing? I know. Listen, complete aside, because this is a Winnipeg show. You remember Dan Goodspeed? Obviously, he wrote me the other day because he's he's in Tampa and he saw that I'm in Florida. And he's like, enjoy your time and enjoy your freedom. They can't believe what's going on at home with COVID stuff with the rules, guys. So anyways, yeah, this is highly embarrassing. And to be honest, it's funny that Remus was reading that tweets from your viewers and comments because their reactions funnier than anything you and I could say, Huss. Like, people are asking if the CFL or somebody planted this to create interest for the game. Why would you do that to look so foolish like this? No, this is just another classic 
only in the CFL moment, man. It's almost hard to believe. But I, I honestly, initially, I didn't think Macbeth was going to be able to play, and this would be the biggest calamity in CFL history. But then I realized, wait, the commissioner has absolute power to veto stuff like this, and that's exactly what happened. So that statement that they came out with here 10 minutes ago, I think is just their way of tap dancing around the embarrassment. Well, do you think Purifoy, did he have to quarantine for four days after spending Sunday night in the drunk tank in Regina? I'm pretty sure they're not checking vax cards before you get thrown in the tank, Rod. Another great week for the Canadian <laughs> football team. No, it is just amazing because, honestly, I went on the air today expecting to spend two solid hours talking about the games, and then this came up. I just can't believe it. And it's funny, too, with the Speedy B thing that he said he wanted to go to the game. That exact game and was told that he couldn't go like oh boy so you know what us you're the better how much are you going to be checking your twitter feed all weekend to see if Macbeth plays or not well the funny thing is rod i was already on the tie cats when i saw naylor's tweet i will say i may have upped the ante on the wager but then i did say as a tie cat better he still needs to play i mean like as much as yeah we all want to cash a ticket i still think the tie cats can win the football game I mean, I care about the CFL. This would be such, and it's already embarrassing, but it would be, um, it would make a joke, a travesty of the playoffs. And if the Ticats won, they'd be hosting the game and everyone would be talking about how they got to the game. Randy Ambrosi had to step in and do this. To be honest, I'm not even sure it makes sense. If he's passed his first COVID test, I mean, why he wouldn't be on the field, at least for the walkthrough tomorrow. But as long as the guy plays, at least you can maintain some of the integrity of this situation. Rod Peterson's with us, gallivanting around South Florida and joining us live here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Uh, well, let's talk about the game. Um, what do you make of uh, the Riders and the Bombers? Um, the Riders, <laughs> I still can't get over the West Final. I mean, Cody looked so bad for so long, Rod. And then uh, three minutes left in the game with his team down four, he sort of turns into a... Uh, Tom Brady in the fourth quarter in a playoff game. Uh, very, very impressive drive to get back up. And um, obviously they got the win. Um, how should Ryder fans be feeling about their team going into the peg against the uh, the beasts of the CFL this season, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers? Well, how should they be feeling? You know how they're feeling. They're praying. And they think there's a chance that they can go in and win because you're old enough, Huss, to remember the 1989 West Final. The nine and nine riders went into Edmonton to beat the 16 and two Eskimos. And they did it all on scheme that day. They blitzed Tracy Ham 35 plus times. The Eskimos couldn't adjust. And they was one of the biggest upsets in CFL history. If the riders are going to win on Sunday, they're going to have to do it on scheme because they're just not a good enough team to beat Winnipeg one-on-one. -on -one. They just aren't anywhere on the field. But I, Darren Bombing was on my show earlier today, and I said, I think Buck Pierce could honestly quarterback the Bombers to a win in this game because it's all about Winnipeg's defense and their historically low levels of points that they're giving up. You saw, I assume you read the game notes, Huss, that Winnipeg hasn't allowed this low of points again since 1958. To me, the question isn't if the Riders win or not. It's if they score a touchdown or not. I truly, truly believe that. It's not about the Bomber offense. It's not about Andrew Harris. It's not about Zach Caleros. It's, you've mentioned Cody playing well last week. He did, but Calgary gave it away. Now, Bo threw two bad picks. They turned it over four times. They had Sean Lemon lost his cool, got kicked out of the game. Um, Calgary just was worse than Saskatchewan was. You know what I'm saying? 
this game, Saskatchewan needs to be perfect to even have a chance. And uh, that, that's a tough ask. I guess yeah, for, who, who, who quite frankly could very easily have been 13 and one, but for resting their regulars at the end of the season, right? Well, and I know you guys have kicked around the lines. I was stunned when this game opened up in around six and a half or seven points. I mean, we kind of did a little fun guess the lines with some of the guys at the end of the games on Sunday. And I thought this was a double digit line for sure. I still think that it should be like there's value on the Bombers. And you mentioned getting a touchdown. I mean, these two teams played in the regular season in back-to-back weeks when it's, you know, how hard it is to sweep a team. Never mind hold the team out of the end zone for eight straight quarters. That's exactly what happened. So, I mean, it's pretty hard to look at last Sunday or anything that's happened this season and not think that the Bombers are a massive, massive favorite. But again, Rod, we've also seen stranger things happen. That is why they play the games. And um, you mentioned the prayer um, tell you what, if Cody Fajardo can play 60 minutes like he did the final three, maybe we will have a football game on Sunday afternoon. Well, just in that game, there was no no side of me. Like, I believed that the Riders were going to come back and win that game. I didn't know that it was going to go to overtime or that Rennie Paradis would completely, what he missed, four or five field goals. I thought they were going to win that game for whatever reason. I don't think they're going to win this game. I just don't know. What, what happened? Listen, here's another stat for you. Cody accounted for 80% of Saskatchewan offense. Did you see that in the game notes? He threw for 180 yards and rushed for 100 or rushed for 89. You're not going to do that against Winnipeg. He can't do it all on his own, and they keep asking him to do it all on his own. Like, I love the guy, but it, they're, they're just, to me, they're just not good enough. But I, my thought, Andrew, was that it was going to be a 7.5 favorite line and that's what it was when it opened it's now eight we'll see how it goes right and then will weather be a factor that looks like it's going to be kind of ugly from what i understand well it's, i mean, think it's i mean not quite as bad as maybe those of us that are going to be in the stands were expecting and we were just checking right now it looks like a daytime high of in and around minus six or so there it is probably going to be snowing uh, I know the stands are going to be close to full. We'll have over 30,000 people. It should be a great spectacle. Certainly a lot better uh, than what we saw last week in Regina. Any thoughts on that ugly crowd for a Ryder playoff game? That you know, We've talked a lot about Vancouver and Montreal and Toronto, but I think for a lot of people that are really concerned and and you know invested in the future of the CFL, that might have been the scariest thing we saw crowd-wise all season long, minus what happened in Edmonton. Well, do I have thoughts? I have a million. I'm not sure how many I'm willing to share because <laughs> my my own personal feeling is not what I'm hearing out there. And it's not just from the Rough Riders, but it's from anybody in sports in Canada whose three letters aren't NHL. And that is they all believe it's because of proof of vaccination is keeping people away, mask mandates, and just COVID overall, and people being afraid to mingle in crowds. McLeod Bethel Thompson obviously isn't, but I just look at the Edmonton game and 50,000, the soccer game, twice 50,000 people showed up in Edmonton for the soccer game. That blows everything away out of the water with regards to vaccine passports and COVID keeping people away. It's an excuse. And I just think the CFL has got a lot of work to do to get people back. But right now it's the convenient excuse that you need to show vaccination proof. Hey, I've been to games in Winnipeg. It's very slick, right? You guys, I'm sure, are leading the league in attendance right now. I think you're going to have 30,000-plus for the game on Sunday. To me, there are other reasons why Saskatchewan had 20,000 for the game, but nobody wants to hear it. So I'll wait till the season's over to let those out. 
I'll say one thing though. I mean, I think we can't ignore the the now the soccer thing. I think most of the soccer people are forward thinking enough that they're all vaxxed. Not a lot of the anti-vaxxers, I think, are big soccer guys. So uh, maybe that's a, maybe that's a generalization. <laughs> but I'll but I'll say this, Rod. Uh, like I had Dusty uh, Dustin Nielsen on the program yesterday, where we were talking about it on the lock shop. And I mean, the Edmonton Oilers are a first place team. You got Connor McDavid. You got Leon Drysital. I mean, they're putting in sometimes thirteen and 14,000 people in a 20-plus-thousand-seat building. So, I mean, it, it's not just in Regina. But the thing about it was, this is an outdoor event, and we know how the riders are religion in that uh, in that province. And it was just somewhat surprising. That being said, we won't be talking about crowds, I don't think, this weekend. We'll be talking about them for a good reason. Uh, the CFL needs a great visual of this West Final, of a packed stadium, of a great game, of a great atmosphere going forward. And I think they are going to get it. Hey, before we go, I, I you know I know we we're kind of originally talking CFL, but uh, you're down there in South Florida getting wined and dined by the Panthers. You're going to get a chance to see one of the best hockey teams in the league right now. Down three goals, third period, no problem. I mean, uh, how much fun have you been having watching the Cats down there? And is anyone else paying attention? Oh, well, you are. And that's all that matters, obviously. Yeah, no, people are paying attention. There was, It was really loud in there last night, even though there weren't. it wasn't the biggest crowd. I think there's going to be a better crowd Saturday when the Blues come to town. But Hust. You said coming back from three goals down. That's two games they've done it. Yeah, back to right? back. They did it. Yeah, they did it against Washington, and then they did it against Buffalo. Nobody's done that since 1984. And Anton Lundell scored twice in the third period last night. And he said, as soon as they scored their first one against the Sabers last night, the crowd went nuts, and they knew they could come back. And um, Andrew Burnett, the interim coach, I don't know how long he's going to remain with that tag, interim coach. He just said the fight in this team and the belief is unbelievable. They've been through a lot of adversity, obviously, a coaching change. They're still without their captain, Sasha Barkov, us, and they're the number one team in the NHL. So, um, listen, last Wednesday, Philly was here, and it was like a Canadian NHL game. The rink was almost full. It was the night before Thanksgiving. Everybody was having a good time. They were loud. And then Saturday, the Kraken were here. 15,305 showed up, expecting the Panthers to set an NHL record with their 12th straight home win. Didn't happen. The Kraken upset them. But I'll, it was a legit 15,305 in the arena. So they're they're paying attention. They just wanted a winner here. They haven't had one in a long time. Yeah, no, I've been beyond there to games before. And I mean, there are there is a core of fans that, you know, have been very supportive. And the bottom line is, for the first time, I think, in a long time, they've got a truly elite team. And, you know, you would like to see that team get rewarded and, you know, have the atmosphere they deserve. It's a nice rink. I mean, there's a they've got a lot of things going for them down there. Rod, before we go heading into the weekend, next week, what two teams are we going to talk about playing in Hamilton for the Grey Cup? Well, I had picked Winnipeg-Toronto until the Macbeth thing. So should I change? I, I, I Obviously, I said I think Winnipeg's going to win because they're just too good. And I think the Argos are going to have a big enough chip on their shoulder, man, to deny Hamilton playing in their own stadium. I think Macbeth will play. And that chip on the shoulder thing shouldn't be discounted. So I will say a Winnipeg-Toronto breakup, which I don't think Huss has ever happened. As I, 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 I love the fact that you're saying that, too, because as I said, I bet Hamilton, and I thought Hamilton earlier, and everyone seems to be on Hamilton. And you know what happens when uh, everyone's on one side? The other side wins. So I would not at all be surprised if we're sitting here on Monday going, Rod was right. Rod knew it. Um, and, and I think this will galvanize this team maybe even more going into it, despite the fact, I mean, hey, the guy's been the quarterback. He's had a great season, missing one practice in the walkthrough. 
I'm not sure will be too devastating as long as he's out there because I think we can all agree Pipkin ain't leading them to the promised land, Rod. No, Macbeth knows the offense. He's, listen, man, he's done better than I thought he could. He's just got more, like I didn't think much of him as a quarterback. He just continued to prove everybody wrong. So I'm, I'm big on that galvanizing a team thing. Let's put it this way. If they had 1.3 million people watch the Riders and Stamps in the semifinal, I can't. I'm, this is going to be nudging 2 million, I think, Sunday for viewership for Riders and Bombers. Oh, it's going to be phenomenal. Rod, you be well. Enjoy the sunshine down there. And uh, let's do this again real soon. Uh, have a great weekend. And uh, well, maybe we'll catch up next week to talk about the big game on Sunday in Hamilton. Thanks for having me on, buddy. Appreciate it. Take care. At Rod Peterson, he is the host of the Rod Peterson Show. You can check it daily before Winnipeg Sports Talk on the Game Plus Network and, of course, on YouTube as well. All right, more on the game coming up. We're going to head to IG Field and talk to Ed Tate in just a minute. Uh, big shout-out to our friends over at Manitoba Battery. Winter is here. Sled season is upon us. And if you are a snowmobiler, make sure you got the proper battery for your rig. They've got them for, uh, well, whatever sled you have, they've got a battery for it down at Manitoba Battery. Routinely, the sled batteries run between $65 and $75. A great price because, of course, Manitoba Battery has the best prices on batteries in town, including automotive batteries at $89.50 in-store with core return. So essentially, your old battery goes in. It goes out, you get a new one in there, $89.50. A much better price than you'll get at the big box stores, Costco and whatnot. Find out more at manitobabattery.com or pop down and see Donnie and the guys at 1026 Logan Avenue. Huge sports weekend. Blake Wheeler's 1,000th game. Royal Sports, not only your Jets gear headquarters, your Bomber here gear headquarters, but of course, Blake Wheeler doing a bunch of great work for cancer care in the city. They got the full lines of the Blake Wheeler signature hats available at Royal Sports. Uh, if you're a supporter of the captain celebrating the 1,000 games, maybe this would be a great time to uh, purchase that and help a great cause in Winnipeg as well with Blake and the uh, Cancer Care Manitoba. All proceeds from the sales of the hats go to that. Royal Sports, your hockey superstore, snowboarding as well, and of course, all the cool stuff on the King's Skate, Snow, and Surf side of things. And make sure you follow them on Instagram at Royal Sports Pembina for all the latest great deals and gift ideas for the upcoming holiday season. Um, I talked to Trevor Knott earlier this week. I'll be with the Knott boys in the Loge for the game on Sunday. They are fired up. Longtime supporters of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. They have a tent out in the tailgate area beforehand. Uh, but before everyone from not gets to the game on the weekend, they will still be working today. And of course, Saturday as well, giving out the best deals on vehicles in town. Why not get into the car of your dreams at a great price with the help of the not team? Pop down and see them at Waverly and McGilvery or check out everything they've got going online, including the new Winnipeg Car Lab over at not.ca. All right, we're going to get to Ed Tate over at IG Field in just a second. If you popped in the show a little late or uh, kind of skipped through the podcast to some of the content later on, big thanks to our friend Mike Carrar. We have a pair of tickets to the Western Final. We wanted to make sure our podcast listeners were able to get on this as well with it being such a great prize for such a big game. What you need to do if you want to enter in it is take a screenshot of your subscribed button, the fact that you're subscribed to either the podcast or YouTube and send it to us either on Twitter at Sports Talk WPG, on Instagram at Sports Talk WPG, 
Or if you don't have Twitter or Instagram, it's the best way to enter. But you can also send an email to winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. And you Spotify listeners out there, if you do have Winnipeg Sports Talk on your Spotify playlist for the 2021, we certainly love seeing those as well. Um, That will do. Send us the picture. Grab a screenshot. Get in there. We'll announce the winner tomorrow afternoon on our social channels, which you should also be following, as I mentioned, at Sports Talk WPG on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can use Facebook for that as well, uh, as I guess as, as well. All right, more on the Bombers and Riders. We will talk Jets with Sean Reynolds coming up in a few minutes. But first off, let's go to IG Field and hook up with Ed Tate from BlueBombers.com. Edward, just about time to get it on. How are you, my friend? I can't wait. It seems like forever since the Bombers played, let alone played a meaningful game, right? Because there was a couple of dogs at the end of the season there that didn't matter. So uh, it's going to be super fun, man. And I'm I'm just so happy that uh, that over thirty thousand people have already decided that they want to be here in person too, because it's it's going to be a blast. Oh, I, uh, I I echo those statements. I know how excited the organization is. I know how excited the players are. And I can tell you from uh, talking to people both through the show and just around the city, uh, the fans are ready as well. And I'll tell you what, weather-wise, I mean, just looking, it's tipped up a little bit. It looks like we're going to have a daytime high of minus 6. And thank God the game's not on Monday because the high is going to be <laughs> minus 23 on Monday. But, uh, I mean, it really is setting up to be an incredibly special day at this stadium on Sunday afternoon. Yeah, you know, so the weather's always going to be a factor when you're playing this late in the year. This is the latest the Bombers have played a game since, like, the 1930s and the days of Fritzy Hansen, right? So uh, it's just a compelling story no matter what. But you're right. The fact that uh, it should be decent on Sunday is awesome because uh, I think the worst thing at this time of year is wind. You know, if there's snow, they can they can adapt to that. If it's rainy or whatever, icy, slippery, I think you adapt to that. That wind can really uh take a uh, a team's offense out of their you know, out of their own playbook you know it makes you it forces you to ground the the ball along the ground or pound the ball along the ground so as long as it's not too windy on sunday i think it's it's football in canada in december well you know what we're, we're not expecting it to be uh plus 25 and and balmy uh eddie you're around the team on a daily basis how would you uh how would you categorize the mood amongst the team i mean you mentioned how long it's been getting to this point i mean for all intents and purposes we had december 5th circled on our calendars in the middle of october yeah it's a it's a great question it's something i'm going to actually write about i'll have something posted later today on just the vibe and the feel of of this team right now and huss it's it's interesting because you know in 2019 everything that we talked about with this team always we every reference brought up uh the 20 the, the gray cup drought right the gray cup drought the gray cup drought every story especially as the playoffs came on was about the drought well that doesn't exist anymore thankfully because they got it done in 2019 well just asking some of the guys this week about you know what the mood is and trying to gauge it just from my own eyes i don't know that at, at, at the i'm reluctant to sound overconfident but this team is just calm they, they, it's like they got their routine figured out they know what to do um there's a, just a quiet confidence about this bunch and you know it's not cockiness it, it's just to me it's straddling the, the fence just perfectly i i, I think uh, this team has got so many guys who have been there before they've won before uh that they they kind of have their routine figured out and they know what they got to do again on sunday and and it's time to bring it on. They've had a great practice week. 
like really crisp, noticeable even for the untrained eye. It's they've been uh, on point all week. Well, it's funny that you say that because um, you know you get that from hearing interviews with players and obviously checking out the media every day. And in a lot of ways, this is an extension of the personality of their leader, head coach Mike O'Shea, isn't it? It absolutely is. Uh, and, you know, and so when I was on the outside before at the paper, you know, people talk about culture, and I wrote it too, like everybody else. And I thought, well, what is this? It's kind of a bunch of BS, right? People talking about the culture and the camaraderie in the locker room and chemistry and all that stuff. Sometimes I think we beat that to death. But being in closer to it and seeing it, man, it comes from the boss. It really does. And uh, he sets this tone and it's not, uh, you know, it's not like they're, they're getting together after, after practices for hot chocolates around the campfire, right? It's that they're not, it's not like that. What his tone is, is get to work, punch the clock, you know, do your film work, do your weight room work, eat right, sleep right, take care of your teammates. It's not complicated. But it's just reinforced all the time by Coach O'Shea, all the time. And it's not, it's about doing it for the guy beside you. And as cliche and corny as that sounds, the buy-in is a hundred zillion percent here. And it's, it's all from the boss. You know, it, it, it's such a unique position that this football team is in. I think the fan base is in. I mean, everyone. Because when we go back to two years ago in 2019, this was the team that, you know, was talented and had a lot of great players, but I mean, tons of turmoil, the quarterback situation, Zach Caleros plays one game and you're playing the entire road on the playoffs all the way to lifting that great cup away from IG Field. Um, this year, this team was the most dominant team in the Canadian Football League. They'd essentially wrapped up the uh, the division 10 games into the season and they have been preparing for this. Um I mean, as someone that's been so close to the team, how would you compare, um, and maybe from a positive standpoint for Bomber fans being excited for this game, the experience that they went through in 2019, how many of those returning players have been back, have been a big part of this season, um, and what winning does to a team that's looking to do it again, that has been there, that, as you mentioned, doesn't have to deal with every single fan of their team talking about it's been 29 damn years since the right. came to Winnipeg. Well, it's a great question because look, the 2019 run, as you said, there was so much going on and they had to win on the road all the time. And it was physically and emotionally draining for everybody, right? Everything, there was, there's this giant cloud over your head about the drought, but everything was on the road, underdogs, underdogs, Chris Drebler's turn, Zach Claris, as you said, makes one start. There's all these question marks. And look, uh, wh however they wrote it, uh, whatever magic they found, it, it worked out. But now, you know, heading into the 2020 season that was canceled, and then again, a year later into this season, the goal was, let's give these guys another chance to, to try to repeat. This league is so transient, but they decided let's keep as many of those key guys, uh, let's bring them all back, the, the guys that are the tone setters in the locker room, and take another run at that. And you've seen that this year. There's a lot of new faces out here, but the veterans have, have said, this is what we did in 2019. This is the script. Let's follow it again to the T. To the and so having gone through all that in 2019, it has, it's almost like a, it's a template for how to do it again, but it also, it's, it's validated the template, right? If now they can say, this is what worked, so why would we stray away from it? And uh, it's, 
I think that's why this team got out to the 11 and one start it did. I know a lot of people are all bent out of shape about the last two games, but just look at the lineup. It, 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 you know, those games were, were, let's face it, they were preseason games that we never had at the beginning of the year. I think this team is primed, man. Uh, if they get through Sunday, they should be heavy favorites again for next Sunday because uh, they're just there's something about this team that's special. Well, um, the last few games, as you mentioned, didn't really matter what happened in wins and losses. It did matter as to who survived the games and the help mm-hmm. of the football team. Uh, all eyes were on Andrew Harris when he returned to practice earlier this week. Was in street clothes today. Um, just fill us in quickly on a little bit of a health update on the squad so far and uh, how this lineup projects for uh, for Sunday, if you can, Ed. Yeah, so uh, there, Wednesday's practice was our first look at Andrew in a long time, and he was a sensational. Uh, he he looked like Andrew Harris, uh, you know, the 2019 Grey Cup. He was, And then what he did that I thought was interesting is he finished all his runs. So, you know, when you're at practice and you, you have a, a run play, uh, often the running back will get through the front and into the secondary and gears down because, you know, basically the rep's over. It's all about what you read up front and how you attack the hole. Andrew was finishing it. He was running 30, 40 more yards. It was almost like he was testing out everything, right? How's my endurance? I thought it was a sensational performance by him. Thursday's practice was closed in the media. Today he's watching. Um, so the question becomes, did uh, did he tweak something? Uh, you know, watching him walk around, I don't think so. I think that it, it almost became that uh, a, a case of they liked so much what they saw on Wednesday. Okay, let's just uh, – Let's bubble wrap him and get him ready for Sunday because he, the, the the horse is ready to go. Let's just uh, make sure he's ready to go when it really matters on Sunday afternoon. And so it's uh, it's a you know it's a storyline we're going to have to watch right up to the to the kickoff. But um, I'd be sh- I'd be shocked if Andrew's not in the backfield when when we start on Sunday. Well, that's great news for Bomber fans because I think a lot of people just saw the reports from practice and thought, oh, my God, he can't practice. That means he's not playing. I mean, we won't hold you to this right now, Ed, and we'll hear more from Coach O'Shea today and heading into the game. But as we speak today on Friday afternoon, by no means has Andrew Harris been ruled out of the Western Final by the Blue Bombers. Yeah, that's the that's the right way to put it. I mean, look, anything can happen, right? He can slip on ice uh, going to his car after practice today. But uh, you know, based on what I've seen, uh, I'd be surprised if he's not playing uh, unless he tweaked something at yesterday's practice. So, uh, again, it, it's something we'll have to watch right until the to kick off to see whether he's playing or not. But uh, he was so good on Wednesday, Huss. It, uh, it was encouraging. D- defensive side of the football, the big boys ready to go. In particular, how's Brandon Alexander looked? I know there was some concern about his status uh, towards the end of the regular season. We all know how uh, important he's been to the Bomber defense. Yeah, he's good to go. And Jackson Jeffcoat, who missed the last couple of games too, uh, has been busy this week too. So it looks like everybody's good to go. And, and again, as people look at those last two regular season games and why did they take the approach they did, it's because of what we're seeing right now, that, that uh, you're completely healthy, uh, except for maybe the concerns about Andrew, whether he comes back uh, for Sunday afternoon. And, you know, um, Sort of the side story to that, you got a lot of guys' reps in those last two games. And you know, Jonathan Kongbo played really well in Montreal. If Jackson Jeffcoat can't go, he, you know, here's the guy that can step in. Theodric Hansen can step in. And and we've seen what happens in the backfield. Johnny Augustine was sensational in the, the, that loss to Calgary. And Brady Oliveira is practicing. He missed the last game. So uh, there's just so much depth on this team. 
even if some of those stars can't go, I, I think they've got people to step up to. Eddie, uh, let's talk about the visitors, the Saskatchewan Rough Riders who come in. <clears throat> We've had conversations over the years, and in sports, especially in professional football, it's not easy beating the same team three times <laughs> in a season, even in the back-to-backs. It was a bit of an anomaly that, you know, the Labor Day Classic and the Banjo Bowl was a sweep this year. <clears throat> what do you make of the Riders coming in, to, uh, in here on Sunday after a thrilling win where their quarterback looked not very good for the vast portion of the game, but then somehow forgot all about it and turned into Tom Brady in the final three minutes of that uh, fourth quarter. Yeah. I, uh, look, I think that the riders took, showed a lot of resilience last week. You know, that game could have gone sideways a number of times for them. And, and you mentioned Cody Vajardo's number there numbers. They were horrible. A guy throws four picks and they still win a game. So credit to him. And in, in some respects, that can galvanize a team going into a playoff game, right? They're, they're fresh off a win. The Bombers haven't played a meaningful game in a long time. So I think they're going to lean on that. But what popped off the page for me watching the Riders in that Calgary game is, uh, aside from the, the struggles of the quarterback, man, their defense, especially their front six, they're nasty. And so that's what's going to make the chess match on Sunday quite interesting is, will the Bombers – uh, still try to pound the ball where they stay committed to the ball if Saskatchewan to running the ball if Saskatchewan shuts them down and because Saskatchewan's defense is coming on here and and they also Jamal Morrow their returner returned one for a score had another one called back so that's something to keep an eye on uh, but the when I'm done done some research on this us this week just looking at some juicy stats a number that really pops out to me back to Fajardo is that his quarterback grading on long throws is awful. And there's no other way to say it. Zach Caleros had the best quarterback rating in the CFL on throws of 20 yards or more. It was like 152 something, which is sensational. I keep using that word sensational, but it fits this week. Uh, and then, uh, hmm. but Cody Fajardo's um, passing rating on passes 20 yards or more is six. Six, 152 <laughs> to six. So, uh, like, that's shockingly bad, right? And so I think that will be something to keep an eye on today. Let's say that the wind isn't a factor, is if the Bombers can limit Fajardo's ability to run and they can take William Powell out of it and force him into second and long, uh, his ability to throw downfield more than 20 yards is really in question. He's really good on the intermediate passes, but um, if he's throwing the ball downfield, I think the Bombers are thinking that there there might be some takeaways for them there. Uh, what about the kicking game? I mean, special teams, it, it's always overlooked, it seems. We spend so much time talking about offense and defense, especially in the Canadian football game come playoff time. We know how important special teams is. You mentioned the return game of the Riders, which is going to be something I think the Bombers are going to definitely have to focus in on. But kicking's been the story all year long. How's uh, Sergio looking? He's interesting, you know. He's he came out here the other day and and cranked a couple long ones and uh, won a, a fifty yarder, maybe a fifty five yarder, one off the post. So he's got the legs. I think he's still trying to get into the groove again. But he, like he's seven of nine since he got here. Those are pretty good numbers. Uh, it's it's interesting about that because Justin Medlock was he was money Medlock right when the playoffs came. He was at his best, and we're so accustomed to that. Um, but I'll tell you what, if, uh, if Sergio can, Castillo can hit the 80% of his field goals, uh, you know, that's 
four for five, and you know how I'm mathematically challenged. Uh, that's if he goes four that for checks five. Out. On, <laughs> if he goes four for five on uh, on Sunday, I think the Bombers <clears> would take it, right? And uh, he's he's got a. It's just going to be his first playoff game as a pro, but he's got a kind of a well, maybe a quiet confidence that mirrors the rest of this team. I, I think he's uh, he's ready to go. Eddie, uh, what's the buzz around the organization about the crowd that's going to be there, 30,000-plus and growing as we get closer to Sunday afternoon? Well, look, I think there's a lot of excitement, but I think there's a lot of pride in the organization too, right? We saw saw the crowd in Regina last week, and a lot of people, myself included, were dumbfounded as to why it was so low. And I've heard all kinds of different uh, explanations for it, but uh, we're not going to have that those kind of discussions or explanations based on what happens here on Sunday. So there's over 30,000 sold. Um, and uh, that doesn't mean every 30,000 people are going to be in their seats. They're still going to rum hut's still going to be open. That'll be crowded. Uh, but I'm just, I'm proud of the, the bomber fans who want to be here because it's the first time this, uh, the riders and bombers have played in a West final since 1972. It's the first division final here since 2011 when they were in the East division. So these are special games, right? And, yeah, you can be at home, and I'm guilty of that too. Watch it on an 80. I wish I had an 80 screen inch uh, TV, but you know, you got the the beers flowing, and uh, you're sitting on your couch, and you don't have to worry about layering up. That that's fun too. But ah, uh, man, there's something special about being in the building for a potentially uh, momentous occasion like this, where a win gets you to the Grey Cup. Speaking of being in the building and fans in the stands, can you confirm that no members of the Winnipeg Blue Bombers will be attending the Jets game tonight, please? <laughs> I was wondering if you were going to go there. <laughs> I saw you tweet that earlier. Uh, no, I don't think there's going to be anybody there. If they are, they're going to be in deep uh, doo-doo, as they say. I, I know. I, I mean, I know obviously practice is going on and everyone's doing their jobs, but I mean, that is just an earth-shaking story. And we still are waiting to see what becomes of all of it. But Ed, just, I mean, from your perspective, covering this league for a long time, I mean, it's almost inconceivable that that sort of a blunder might lead to a team that won their division and traded their backup quarterback, Nick Arbuckle, could be without McLeod Bethel-Thompson for the most important game for that franchise in a long time. So I have a couple of reactions. My first reaction is I don't want to giggle at it, but I did a little bit, I'll be honest. <laughs> My second reaction is I'm astonished that this has happened. And then the most overwhelming emotion I'm feeling right now, Huss, is I feel bad. I feel bad for him. I feel bad for the Argos. I feel bad for the league. Because in that market, uh, the CFL's just kicked around by the media and the, the fan base and all that stuff is, is so small. This is a kind of a, it's embarrassing a little bit, right? And it's, uh, I, I, they worked so hard there. You know, like you said, they finished first in their division. And for something like this to take a, your starting quarterback, it's like we're not talking about a defensive end or somebody from your secondary, right? This is the quarterback. And uh, uh, it's it's tough. I, I don't know what it, it – you know, I want to see some more uh, some more words from the CFL head office on this to get some sort of confirmation. I don't know what's going to happen. But I, I feel almost sick for the Argos and sick for the league because uh, nobody wanted this. I, I, I'm hoping that common sense prevails. Um, 
he should be playing. And I say that as someone with a sizable bet on the tie cats, uh, but reality, I mean, it would be devastating for the league to have this. It would make it somewhat of a joke. Um, Ed Tate's with us. Eddie, before we go, um, a huge football game for the city, for the organization. Um, but it is also the end of an era. Bob Irving's final game. Um, he's Bob's become a close friend of yours. And I think, you know, to many of us, even listeners that have never met Bob feels like a close friend of everyone's because of how he has accompanied all of us through five decades of Blue Bomber football. Um, just a few words on Bob going into his final broadcast. And uh, another reason why people should get there early, because Bob will be uh, put into the Bomber Ring of Honor, which should be an incredibly special moment before kickoff. Yeah, that's going to be a cool moment. And I'm glad the club decided to do that. He built, he deserves to be up there with the icons in this franchise's history. Uh, look, if you had five hours, I could still fill it here with <laughs> talking about Knuckles. And I'm sure you could too, Huss, because you know the guys as well as I do. Uh, I'll be as quick as I can. He He's class. He's a pro. Everybody that's around him uh, should watch and see how he interacts with athletes and coaches. He's the ultimate pro. I'll tell you a story. When I first started covering the Bombers way back in 1990, I remember coming to call my mom and dad. I was pretty happy I, after the first or second day said, Hey, I got the interview Chris Walby today and James Murphy and Rick house. And it was awesome. And they said, uh, that's cool. Hey, wh what's Bob Irving like? So that's, you know, that's, <laughs> that's what people are, uh, of a certain generation, all generations think of Bob Irving, right? He's a legend. He's a legendary Bob Irving, as I refer to him all the time. Uh, and he's been important for this franchise has been important to me personally, because just to, to see how he works and how he operates. And, uh, you know, he, I've said this before, I've said this to his sons and his daughter that in a lot of ways, he's like my best friend. He's a father figure. He's a confidant. He's a role model. It's all those things in, in, in one. And, um, it's going to be a tough, tough day when he calls his last game, he's going to the great cup regardless. Hopefully the bombers are there with him. Uh, but, uh, it's, he says it's time. And so we have to take Bob's word for it. It's going to be sure going to be different next year without him around. That's for sure. Yeah. And big shoes to fill for whoever gets right. in that booth for CJB calling bomber football. But, uh, the focus will of course be on kickoff. Bob will be celebrated before the game. And, uh, I think everyone just hopes that that final call of Bob's on Sunday afternoon is the bombers are going back to the great cup uh good luck on the weekend ed thanks so much for the time cannot wait for it and uh hopefully talking to you about a big game a week from sunday in hamilton including the winnipeg blue bombers with you next week sign me up we're gonna do it next week <laughs> oh great chat with eddie from uh, ig field just a few minutes before we went on the air here on winnipeg sports talk uh remo i gotta give a big shout out to our friends at cfl news um, CFL fans should be following them at CFL underscore news. I think the CFL news guys may have set a record for quotes from a Winnipeg sports talk interview during that one we just did with Ed Tate. And I got to say they picked a good one because few better than Eddie Tate, who joins us quite often on the program covering for so long. But um, my, my, my Twitter was blowing up for the last 20 minutes. Yeah, here it is. Uh, CFL underscore news, just like grabbing all the quotes from this interview. Uh, maybe he's still listening. Um, Thank you or, for the support, or, CFL or, News. Shout out to you. Or they're listening. Yeah, they've uh, given us a lot of support. And yeah, check out CFL underscore 
news, all the quotes. I did give a couple re- retweets there, so uh, awesome. Yeah, appreciate that. About, all right, we're we're gonna uh, switch. From, sorry, go ahead, Reem. I was gonna say a lot of you know you keep talking about your big bet on the tie cats. Uh, people in chat think you're jinxing yourself just because you've brought it up on Twitter and, and pretty much everywhere. You know what? So be careful, man. So be it. So be it. I actually would love to see a bomber Argo final. Um, and I, I put it this way: the wager on the bombers is significantly larger than the tie cats one. So that's the one I'm worried about, and that's the game I think everyone's worried about going into uh, going into the weekend. Uh, well, to be honest, people might be more worried about tonight's game between the Jets and Devils, considering what's been happening with the local hockey squad. We're going to get to uh, Sean Reynolds, the uh, one and only Rennie of Kenny and Rennie, coming up in just a couple minutes. And don't forget, before 3 o'clock, for everyone with us live on YouTube, we've got another marble race. We've got some great prizes with Canadian Club. You still have the opportunity, if you're just popping in, to win tickets to the West Final by taking a screenshot or a picture of you being subscribed to either the podcast, for you podcast listeners, or people that watch on YouTube. Hit us up with the picture either on Twitter at Sports Talk WPG, Instagram, Sports Talk WPG, Facebook, Sports Talk WPG, or if for some reason you are adverse to every aspect of social media, you can email it to us at Sports Talk Winnipeg or Winnipeg Sports Talk, excuse me, yep. at gmail.com. There's also a contact page on our website too, if you uh, can't remember that. So winnipegsportstalk.com, contact. There you go. Get them in. Yeah. And if you've got a good Spotify list from 2021 with us on it, definitely do that as well. Saw a couple good ones actually that were sent to me the last couple of days with the top three for listeners. Just let you know where the content is. Winnipeg Sports Talk, Illegal Curve, and Kenny and Rennie all in the top three. And that's what uh, I think all of us love to hear. Reynolds coming up in just a second. We also will have the debut of a special bit we did with our friends at Little Brown Jug for their fifth anniversary. We'll play it in its entirety on YouTube immediately following Winnipeg Sports Talk. For so those of you that are there, check it out. Remus did an unbelievable job. You'll be you'll be amazed, especially regular YouTube listeners, to see how Reem was able to pull this off. He's definitely getting the game ball this week for his uh, work on the tech side of things. Um, I do want to thank to our friends at Princess Auto, um, great sponsors of Curling in Manitoba in Canada and sponsors of Winnipeg Sports Talk. We had such a great time doing the uh, – Reports, Princess Auto Crewing reports last week in Saskatoon. And of course, they are over the moon that the Jen Jones team is going back to the Olympics. And a big shout out to Reed Carruthers, Mike McEwen, and their gang on the McEwen rank. Of course, Princess Auto is where you find the best deals and the most unique assortment of tools and equipment around. Everything you need to complete the projects on your list or start something new is at Princess Auto. Two locations in Winnipeg to get working on that next project, or you can shop online 24-7, 365 at princessauto.com. And, of course, Princess Auto, big bomber sponsors as well. I know Princess Auto will be well represented on the weekend, and uh, we'll see who the Princess Auto teammates of the game are coming out of Sunday's game, hopefully with the bombers heading to the Grey Cup. A big shout out to our friends at the Nick and Nikki DQ Group. Four locations in Winnipeg and Southern Manitoba. The DQ in Niverville, DQ Northgate, both with drive through options. DQ Polo Park and the DQ St. Anne's, which is now open year-round, including availability on Skip the Dishes and Uber Eats. So uh, you can order your steakhouse burgers, your blizzards and whatnot. All to your home if you're out in the St. Vital area. And wherever you are, if you need a cake for your next event, 
Hit them up on Instagram at DQ Manitoba. Make an order in advance, and they'll have it customized and ready for you to pick up at your local Nick and Nikki DQ location. And, of course, our friends at Boston Pizza are ready for the weekend. Might have to pop by BP City Place before the game tonight and maybe afterwards as well. And uh, you know Boston Pizza will be packed on Sunday for Bomber Game Watchers as well as the Jets going at it with the Toronto Maple Leafs following the game at 7 p.m., bostonpizza.com for online ordering or call your local BP and not make it a BP weekend. All right. We've talked a lot of West final, but let's get ready for a big weekend for the Winnipeg Jets. Devils tonight, Leafs Sunday, Blake Wheeler's thousandth game and a team desperate to get back into the win column as they are on the outside of the playoff line. And now let's welcome in Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet and Kenny and Rennie fame. By the way, great show by the guys yesterday. Cole Perfetti and Greg Wyshynski on it. Another great piece of YouTube content for you to listen. Rendog, what's up? How are you, man? Uh, nothing. How are you doing, my friend? You know what? I'm jacked. I- I've been kind of cranky after leaving the arena on Monday, to be perfectly honest. Um, but you know, like many Jet fans, there's been a lot to talk about over the course of the last three days. But uh, now the weekend is here. I'm putting myself into a positive mindset, hoping to see a great game and a bounce back win tonight uh, and really hoping that Sunday will be as special as it could be uh, with a bomber win in the afternoon. Of course, Blake Wheeler's thousandth game and a red hot Toronto Maple Leaf team coming into mm-hmm. town. Uh, a couple wins for the local side on the weekend certainly would uh, start the week off a lot better off. But uh, going into this game, I and mean, what do you make of the Winnipeg Jets? I mean, where we've been in the last couple weeks and uh, the struggles they've had scoring goals, despite certainly when you look at the shot clock, getting a lot of pucks on net. Yeah, a lot of topics to break down there. What I'm thinking about this game, what this reminds me of is uh, two seasons back, uh, about a month before the COVID shutdown, the Jets went on a five-game losing streak. Uh, and their last one they lost uh, was in um, was in Columbus. And we talked to Paul Mason. They lost that those five games heading into their their week break that the, all the teams had that year and had asked Paul Maurice, know, if it was a good time for this break or maybe losing and then having to chew over it for, you know, that entire week was a bad thing. And he'd said, Oh no, that, that this is a good thing. This is the best possible outcome for us to have. I'm wondering if this is going to turn out the same way, the three days. And if you hear the way that, uh, you know, not only Paul Maurice was talking, but Kyle Connor, Mark Shifley, when they came out to talk today, there's definitely a game plan that the coaches have put forth. And, you know, that's what you want to hear from the coaches, that they know what's wrong and they can fix it. I believe Rick Bonus had a similar um, press conference that he came out when the Dallas Stars had had a rocky start to the season. Uh, and he came out one, for, for one of his press conferences and was like, we know what's wrong. We know how to fix it. We're going to fix it. And you can clearly see they've turned that around and done that exact same thing. It seems like the Winnipeg Jets and uh, the coaching staff have a very good idea that there's parts of their games that they feel are working. They know why they're not getting the the points on the board. And clearly it's this idea that they're getting shots towards the net. They've become this high-volume shooting team, which is not the Winnipeg Jets, right? Like if we think about the Jets in years past, they were that team that, you know, they'd get 40 shots against and only put up 22 shots and they'd win consistently. Like their record in games like that over the past number of years 
has been phenomenal because the Jets are this team that likes to hold on to the puck and create those perfect, really pretty, nice scoring opportunities. One of the reasons we look at this team and think that they're so skilled and so talented. But, I mean, I do like the idea that the Jets, and I, I'm not sure if I, I buy this. I think this is a little bit of wishful thinking on the part of Paul Maurice, who says that he thinks that the Jets are just a tweak away from having the best offense they've ever had before. I'm not sure I buy that, but I do entirely agree with this assessment and for a long time have agreed with the assessment that the pretty plays that the Jets love to score and love to celebrate and look, you know, very accomplished when they do that are these kind of plays that exist in the regular season. Uh, and it, it allows them to, to jump back into games and score their way back into games and create all these wonderful come from behind victories that we've seen over the years. I don't think it's a sustainable game though, that works in the playoffs. Um, and if the Jets could ever get to a place or arrive at a place where they could figure out how to just get those dirty, greasy goals in the, in, in the times when they needed them. And now is that time. I think it would be, you know, you'd be solving a problem that I think has plagued this team since 2018. Uh, and if you could get to that point and teach this team not only to score the pretty goals, but to go to the net and get the grinded out goals that they need to at the time they need to do it, I think it's something that this team could benefit from and take them to a place we may not have seen them go before. Well, uh, we'll get to special teams in a minute because it's impossible to talk about the struggles of the club without talking about what's been happening on the PK, but more importantly, the power play lately. But um, there was some line shuffling, nothing on the top line. We're going to see Connor Shifley and Wheeler thrown out there first again. But Nikolai Ehlers has been in, you know, certainly by his standards, a bit of a slump lately. Finished up the last couple of games playing with Adam Lowry on the third line. He's now moving up to play with Pierre-Luc Dubois and Andrew Kopp. And it's interesting because these guys played together quite a bit last season with limited success. But I guess the argument, Sean, is that Pierre-Luc Dubois is an entirely different player right now. What do you think Ehlers might be able to get out of the move to playing along with Pierre-Luc Dubois? And how important in your mind is that line getting back on track and, you know, well, light and red lights uh, the way Dubois has done this year and the way we know Ehlers can. Well, clearly important as for what I expect. I don't know. I don't, I don't know what comes out of that line. I don't know if it's going to work. Uh, I mean, you're right. Pierre-Luc Dubois is a different player this year. So the hope is that that's, that's going to, uh, you know, how he's changed is going to allow this to work. Uh, I know that Nick Ehlers is an important player and he should be in the top six and they need to figure out a way to get him going. I, I, I mean, I like the idea of doing things to get Nick Ehlers going because clearly, Huss, we've seen uh, plenty of examples of the lineup being bent in favor of certain players to try and get them going. I think it would be just as important to do that for Nick Ehlers as it would be for a guy like Blake Wheeler or even Mark Shifley, would you not agree? I mean, I, I, I think that that's where we should be putting, uh, you know, placing Nick Ehlers' importance on this team. So I, I, I like that idea. Um, I, I do find it strange that I, I felt like, you know, Nick Ehlers' game was was coming around and somewhat dangerous. And I mean, we think back to that game in Anaheim where he, you know, came in late. I think it was Anaheim or maybe it was the Kings where they, yeah, it was Anaheim where they stole the game late on two late goals by Nick Ehlers. Like, that's what he's capable of doing. Um, I just, when it comes to these line changes and, and to, to, to finish off on your question, uh, I'm interested to see how this works because Pierre-Luc Dubois is clearly, if the if things work out the way the Jets want it to, he's going to be a central figure on this team for years. So you need to see how he works alongside players like Nick Ehlers, Kyle Connor, up and down the lineup. 
I just find it so strange that, you know, the line when, when things were working and this team was winning, Paul Maurice broke up the lines because he thought there was more there. That's his line. He thought there was more than what he was getting out of those lines. So he broke up the lines. And what has he got since he did that? Well, he's got less. That's what he's found. In a search for more, he actually found less. And the one thing that I find rather strange in all of this is now that he's gone and is constantly blending the lines to find more, how we haven't just gone back to what was working. I mean, that's the strangest part about this is that in a search to fix this, they haven't gone back to the one thing that has worked this year, and that just kind of baffles me. So um, I, I, I like the idea of getting Ehlers back into the top six. I don't think he should have gone out of it in the first place. Uh, but, I mean, if this doesn't work, it just seems to me to be an experiment well into, you know, a real rough jag here that the Jets need to, to get out of here. Uh, and, and it seems like an interesting time to be trying to find answers out of thin air rather than trying to go to something that seems a little more solidified. Yeah, no, I'll, I'll agree with that. And I got a lot of time for that argument. Um, correct me if I'm wrong. Was it the color, the CBUS game or was it Minnesota where Maurice was asked about some changes in lines towards the end of the game? And he made an interesting comment that said, well, there's some guys I just needed to get away from each other. And you know, we've seen Dubois and Connor excel together. I, I said when they were struggling, I mean, to me, everything is on the table for line changes, except don't break those two guys up. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I don't Agreed. think, I, I, you know, I didn't have as big of an issue as some people did with swapping Svechnikov and Wheeler. And frankly, I thought they looked quite good in the Edmonton games, but we definitely have seen the law of diminishing returns. But the reason why I bring up that comment is that I really wanted to see what Ehlers and Shifley could do together for a consistent period of time. I mean, two of the most talented offensive players on the league. We've been talking for years about, you know, when is Nick Ehlers going to be that top-line right winger playing with your number one center, which for a long time has been Mark Shifley. What did or didn't happen with those guys? And when Maurice was talking about getting guys away from her, was he talking about those two players, do you think? I mean, potentially, uh, I don't ag- I don't agree with that uh, assessment of his, if that's the case. Um, I mean, I-, I had thought, you know, you'd said you didn't have much of an issue with Wheeler replacing Svechnikov and that you liked, you know, that line uh, in those games against Edmonton. I, you know, have been on the record in the past as saying I thought the better of the two lines was the Shifley-Ehlers line. Now, I do understand what Paul Maurice is talking about. If we think of the goals that uh, Nick Ehlers has scored this year, it's just, they look gorgeous right the one where he's on the boards and he comes off the boards and skates across the ice and rips at top corner and then uh i think a few games before that or the game before that he had a shot basically right in the same spot now while it looks beautiful to us uh paul maurice isn't necessarily liking those goals because they're these long distance goals that aren't going to pay off time and time again he thinks nick ehlers needs to get to the net uh, and drive to the net more often um i mean I don't know. To me, it seems like knowing that Nick Ehlers is scoring and getting goals at that time, uh, maybe the the key is is to to try and figure out a way to get him to the net rather than get him off a line to to try and teach him that lesson another way. I thought that line was working okay. I actually preferred it to to the uh, Connor Dubois Wheeler line. I thought it was getting more accomplished in those games against Edmonton. Um, so I don't know. I, I, I just know that the, the tinkering to me 
has just gone in a lot of places where I feel like there's the problem for me and the overarching theme that I don't like in the tinkering is I think players who were performing or were playing to the best of their abilities ended up getting, I don't want to say punished, but they weren't rewarded for what they were doing. And players that weren't accomplishing things got rewarded in this line tinkering. And I, I do think that's another theme that we've seen over the years with the Winnipeg Jets. Uh, and, and the idea being that there's just certain players here that, that, that you're going to shape the team around because they're that good and they need to be given those opportunities. But I'm a big believer in sports that you have to reward the guys who are bringing you uh, who are who are doing what you ask them to do. I think that stopped happening in this last situation. And I wonder how much of what's happening right now is the feeling from guys within the dressing room that like, you know, if if I don't get rewarded for doing this, what, what exactly is wanted out of me here? And, and and potentially the the lack of motivation that some of those players may be feeling, because if the idea is that I go do everything I'm asked and I still get busted down the lineup, then what's the point? No, uh, that's very valid and a topic that I think many of us have been talking about for the last little while here on Winnipeg Sports Talk on Kenny and Randy on IC and uh, frankly at uh, bar tops and uh, yeah. kitchen tables around uh, around this city for the last little while. It makes this game incredibly important, doesn't it? I mean, them coming in on the end of the back-to-back and it was funny after all that we've talked about the schedule today, hearing the coach say that oh, back-to-backs now and uh, the NHL aren't really that much of a big deal because of the style of play. All that being said, Sean, you got New Jersey coming in here. The Red Hot Leafs on Sunday, Carolina on Tuesday. We know what this team's been through over the course of the last two weeks. To me, I realize we're just a quarter of the way into the season, but for for everybody involved, this is a massive one. They need two points tonight, don't they? Well, I'd said it. If you take a look to where they've fallen in the standings, you know, now now they're out of the playoffs looking in. A number of the teams that they're chasing have games in hand on them. Uh, And every time you let a team catch you and pass you, it's just another team that you need to outplay. Now, it's simple to say we're only quarter away through the season. All you got to do is take care of your own business. You'll figure it out by the end of the year. But, you know, you start falling down and and you're putting yourself in a bad spot hey they lose here tonight and chicago wins their next game and suddenly chicago who had an atrocious start to the season is four points behind you and 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 then everyone else has taken a step forward and to your point like i think tonight's game is huge just the same way that i thought that that coyotes game was huge because if they win that coyotes game Imagine how much different your show would have been over the last week. The Jets would have won back-to-back games. By the time they play this Friday, they would have put an entire calendar week in between their last loss and this game here tonight. And we would have handled this situation entirely different. Now they lose that game and all of a sudden they've lost six or seven in that game against Calgary. It looks like a little bit of a fluke out with a, you know, a goalie stealing you a game. This is one of those situations where they get the, uh, the devils. And I know no coach is going to say, yeah, we got him tired. We should win this one. That's how you slit your own throat, right? But th- this is an opportunity. They played against a, a, a Minnesota team that knows how to grind. So they had a game last night. It wasn't just, you know, a, it wasn't flag football. They played a game last night. So they're coming in here tonight a little l- l- less energy, coming off of a flight. 
you don't win this one. And all of a sudden, like you said, you take on the Leafs, who are the hottest team in hockey right now. You take on Carolina, who is arguably the best team in hockey. These next couple games after this one are tough ones. So if you're trying to give yourself some kind of good feeling or give yourself some hope, you know, you got to cash this in tonight because you may play your best hockey of the year on Sunday and the next one against Carolina and lose both those games because those teams are that good. So this is the one that you got to take. You got to take this game. If they don't get this one, holy smokes, uh, it's a good thing you don't broadcast on the weekends because oh. you'll have a lot to talk about next week. Well, I'm sure it'll be good for business on the post-game show when you and Kenny and fire it up a little bit later on. Um, hey, just before we go, uh, the power play has been a huge part of the problems lately. Nothing's changing if the special teams don't get better. Big picture for the Winnipeg Jets. What did you think of the uh, the different looks, the different personnel put forth in practice yesterday? And do uh, you think that'll help when uh, they get going tonight? Well, I mean, I, I've said this before when he's going, uh, and I thought this last season, you know, Nikolai Ehlers is the power play unit uh, on whatever power play unit he's on. It's all designed about just moving the puck around and getting him in that little swing routine that he does where he comes out of the zone, button hooks back in, gets the puck with speed and scores. A a any power play that looks like that, I'm okay with. You can, you can take a look and see that first power play. Putting Pierre-Luc Dubois in front of the net is trying to get to the idea of the Jets getting to the front of the net. And that has been a huge problem for them. They're basically using Kyle Connor in in the same vein as they're using Nick Ehlers. I got to say, I'm not the hugest fan of it as it works or as I think it should work at its peak. Kyle Connor should be on the other side where they've got um, Blake Wheeler back in that bumper, not bumper spot, sorry, on that half wall spot and trying to, that power play should be built around trying to get him with the one timer because I think that's his most lethal weapon. Now he's very good at what they're asking him to do, but to me it's a different look and it's a situation where they're trying to fit something that works or just simply get the puck to him to get to the, the puck to the front of the net. If he doesn't score, then Pierre-Luc Dubois can kind of create some havoc. I understand what they're trying to do. I don't think this is the power play scheme they'll end the season on because I don't think it's the Jets' number one power play at their strongest. So, um, I mean, it, it's kind of like a desperate times call for desperate measures move. I don't think it's the, it's, it's the right thing for them to get to. But at this point, I think they're just trying to, crack one in uh and hopefully Pierre-Luc Dubois can slam one in at the front of the net there uh they're, they're, they need that to go to get a feeling of confidence in that room because it's, it's clear to me that there's not a lot no doubt about it folks if you haven't already subscribed to Kenny and Rennie do it on YouTube uh great show yesterday with Cole Perfetti and Greg Wyshynski if check Thank that you. out if you haven't already and of course the guys will be back on tonight after the game following IC Sean if they don't win tonight Full equipment for both you and Ken for what's going to be coming in the chat room. <laughs> I'll wear my helmet. Thanks. <laughs> Thanks for doing this, pal. Yeah, you bet. Anytime. Good stuff. There's Sean Reynolds with us again. KNR following IC tonight with full post game coverage of tonight's Jets Devils game. And uh, they'll be back at it again on Sunday night after the Winnipeg Jets host the Toronto Maple Leafs. And of course, that is Captain Blake Wheeler's one thousandth game all right we're going to hear a little bit of coach paul maurice um from what he had to say earlier today uh before we do that i'm going to give you a quick update on the cool vet lines for cool bet canada because after we hear from coach paul maurice we're going to fire up the marbles we're going to hear a little bit of our special interview with our friends at little brown jug commemorating their fifth year anniversary and then we'll finish it up with some great prizes from our friends at canadian club 
for the marble race to finish off the program. Here's the updated CFL lines. Hamilton is a one and a half point favorite against the Toronto Argonauts. Argos plus one and a half. Earlier today, the Argos were one point favorites at home. This is obviously a reaction to everything that's happened with McLeod Bethel Thompson. We do expect him to play, but wasn't able to practice today. Won't be able to participate in person in the walkthroughs tomorrow. Uh, and as long as he, you know, tests negative on all these COVID tests, he's going to have to do, he will be in the lineup. So Argos, one and a half point home dogs right now at Cool Bet. And the Bombers are now eight point favorites in the game. That one opened at Cool Bet at seven, went to seven and a half. It's now at eight. Wouldn't be surprised if that continues to get higher as we get into the weekend. As far as the game tonight, the Jets are a big favorite, minus 192 at home against the New Jersey Devils. Other games tonight on the docket, Sharks, Rangers, Vegas, Golden Knights, and the Coyotes, Flames, Ducks, Oilers, Kraken. And, uh, of course, the Wild hosting the Maple Leafs tomorrow, and then the Leafs will be here on the second end of back-to-backs on Sunday night to take on the Jets. And, of course, Blake Wheeler's 1,000th game, as I mentioned. Cool Bet Canada is the place to go. If you haven't played a Cool Bet before, you can uh, use the promo code WST for a 100% bonus on your first deposit, up to $200. Use the promo code WST. And if you missed the lock shop, normally we do that on Friday. Dusty was flying out to do the East Final. We did it yesterday. Check it out on your podcast platform. Search Lock Shop, or you can head over to uh, Twitter at Nielsen TSN 1260, and it's all there for you. So before we get to the marbles, let's uh, hear a little bit of Winnipeg Jets head coach Paul Maurice, who spoke today on uh, the week, the week three days off. And, uh, of course, what's happening with the power play, the way things are looking, uh, and the urgency heading into tonight's game to get things back on track before a very, very tough series of home games hosting some of the NHL's best teams. Um, uh, Remo, we got ready to go with the coach? Okay, perfect. We'll get that. Uh, And then, by the way, Marble Race today, prizes from Canadian Club. We do have another hoodie. Uh, We are getting a little less on sizes right now, so uh, hopefully we'll have everyone's size for whoever wins. Took a bit of a run on the double XLs for some of uh, our early winners, Uh, but I think we do have most of them, and we do have an I Love Rye package to give away, including a bottle of Canadian Club. And, of course, Canadian Club will be pouring, I would imagine, quite vigorously this weekend at IG Field because, of course, uh, Canadian Club is the official sponsor of the Bombers, and you'll have the CC, the Northern Keep Vodka, the Brugal Rum, and the Jim Beam ready to go for you, both in the North End and throughout the arena. And uh, heading into the weekend and the holiday season, always a great thing to pick up the great taste of Canadian Club at your local Manitoba Liquor Marts. All right, let's hear a little bit of the coach from this morning after the pregame skate. Then we'll come back and get things going for the marble race and hear a little bit of our piece that's previewing right after Winnipeg Sports Talk today on our YouTube channel with Kevin Seltz, the founder of Little Brown Jug. Here's Coach Maurice. Well, coming off a three-day break, uh, what would the expectation be in terms of playing quicker, both from a mental and then from a physical aspect? And do you expect... The, expecta- over the, yeah, the, the expectation tonight is if I think we're slow early, I think we'll get faster much quicker than we would be. There are nights when you come off the West Coast or something like that, you're 
think in the first period you got to survive and you'll build in the game as you go. If we're a little bit off from those three days in the travel, I don't think that last shouldn't last more than six minutes. We should be able to get through two rotations and on that third we should be able to get back up to speed. So I would expect and I also would expect that we would stay as strong or stronger as this game builds. I felt the opposite was true for our team. Third period against Pittsburgh, third period against Columbus, all three periods in many. I, I thought we were sliding in terms of that energy level. I'm expecting us to build on this so that we'll build tonight and be at our you know peak speed somewhere tonight and certainly going into Toronto. Turning quantity into quality in some ways is kind of a good problem to have. I mean, you could. there are other ways to not win and it seems like from some perspectives that could be a positive thing. Well, how do we turn this into, into dangerous looks? But how do you balance that that positivity with the frustration of, of not having one lately. Um, I, I'm, I think it's a, it's a harder challenge to get your team to shoot the puck than it is to get them to go to the net. I'm banking on that. I think we're halfway to where our offensive game could be, and if we can get this right, then it's going to be as good as it's ever been. You know, I've just felt that there are seam plays, and there are as soon as you are a passing attack team, you're slightly slower. On certain nights, you'll be real fast, and it looks just dynamic. And I thought at times that's who we've been in the past. You'd come and watch us some night. We're fast, and we're snapping it around, and it's in the seam, and it's bar down, and it's, oh, my God, look at the skill level. But that game's almost certainly you get to the playoffs. You just don't see that game at all. It's very difficult to sustain that game, certainly, where we're at. But the game that you can always sustain is the simplest shot goes to the net first. That idea of shooting the puck on your lesser chances with net drive to cause chaos to create more. That your seam concept, that speed comes out after you've driven the net. The, uh, it, it's, you know, you guys won't remember this, but I think it's an exhibition game about four years ago against Edmonton, the second period, we had four shot attempts. We made 150 passes in that period, like it was unbelievable. And that, I'm looking, I know it's exhibition, but I'm looking at that going, this is gonna be a problem. And it, and it was a problem. It's always been, it's, it's, it would be no different than our power play. But the foundation of our power play, our structure was that. And it was really, really good for, you know, we ran fourth, fifth, whatever. Um, we would wait, 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 find the seam and be a heater. And you're going, oh, man, that's an awesome power play. But things have changed. We have to change the way we attack our game. Is that something that's started this season, like mid-season? Like, have you had to change kind of the foundation of how you're coaching this team because you found that? No, You're shooting heavy teams? Um, no, it would be something that we've been pounding from last year. And part of that seven-game stretch is something that we dealt with through in that. And, and we did play a far more direct game in the back half of that and then into it and started to get better at it. And they've actually done it. Like I'm, uh, We've had a, a small number of games this year where I didn't think we shot the puck as much as we should have. And we would have stretches in years past where we would go game after game and get outshot, and I didn't think we needed to, that we actually – cost ourselves offense by not getting the puck to the net. I, I there, there, are, there are games that you play where that the other team shoots everything at the net, and so many nights that's a really good thing for you. It's just a change of possession. we got a real good goaltender. We pick it up and we go because there's no action that comes from it. I don't want to take – we've got good shooters and we've got good playmakers. I don't want to take any of that away from them. But there's a whole bunch of offense in our game that we don't tap into because we will constantly look to try to make another play instead of realize it's just not there, it goes to the net. And as soon as that comes in, I think you start playing faster. So Paul, just to be clear. Uh, There's a little bit about Coach Paul Maurice after 
the morning skate today. Jets Devils tonight, 7 o'clock p.m. Big weekend for the hockey club. Big homestand for the hockey club, certainly considering, you know, what's been going as of late. Devils coming in after playing the Wild last night in the Twin Cities. And they'll get the the Maple Leafs on uh, that same schedule, playing the Wild tomorrow night, and then in to play the Winnipeg Jets on Sunday night, which, of course, will be Winnipeg Jet captains Blake Wheeler's 1,000th NHL game. I'm sure there'll be a nice ceremony for the captain beforehand and uh, should be a pretty wild atmosphere that night, hopefully with a lot of happy Winnipeg sports fans coming out of that bomber game a little bit later on. All right, let's get Remus back in here. We've got a couple more things to do. If you're just popping in, we uh, had a great chance to sit down with the founder of a little brown jug earlier this week. The full interview is going to play immediately following the show here on the YouTube channel. We're going to give you a little bit of a, a taste of what's to come and show off Remus's incredible video editing skills as well, to be honest with you. But uh, Remus, while we do that, you know what it is. It's Friday afternoon. We're in the last stretch of the program so we need to get things going and set up our marble race, which will conclude the week's festivities here on WST. Yeah, so I feel like you're hyping this video uh, up too much, but it was nice to chat with Kevin and learn more about uh, building Little Brown Jug in the first five years. So uh, if you're here, it'll immediately go uh, bring you to that premiere of the video after. So we got to get on this. I initiated the giveaway, exclamation mark marbles in chat. You do have to be subscribed. So hit, make sure you hit the sub button. Uh, we're getting a lot of people in here. I updated the Marble app, so I believe it's good to go. And, uh, oh, yeah, it's good. We're, so we're, we're ready, Huss. We're ready. This is going to be awesome. Excellent. Yeah, yeah. For newcomers, we do this every Friday afternoon. We've had some great prizes with our friends at Canadian Club. First prize will be a Winnipeg Sports Talk hoodie, co-branded with our friends at CC, official sponsors of the Bombers. And second place will get an I Love Rye package for you, including a little product from our friends at Canadian Club and some other trinkets as well. I know a couple of winners from last week are going to pop by afterwards and pick up theirs. Um, so very simple, exclamation mark marbles in the chat right now. We'll gather all the names. We'll fire them in there. So you've got about three, four minutes to do that. And while we wait for you to enter into the marble race, here is a little excerpt of our interview with the founder of Little Brown Jug, Kevin Selch. And of course, it is the five-year anniversary tonight down at Little Brown Jug. Party going on with entertainment throughout the evening beginning at 6 o'clock p.m. So whether if you're heading down to the game, it might be a great spot to go before the game or after the game. I'm certainly going to try to do that. Um, but we've had such a great time you know, having them on board with us, enjoying the great taste of Little Brown Jug. I know it's very popular with many of you. We thought this was a great chance to, as they celebrate five years, to head on down, hook up with Kevin, find a little bit more about the journey to get here, what's next, and uh, talk a little beer as well. So debuting 305 right after the Marble Race in the program will be the full bit um, but here's a little taste of uh, what's to come after Winnipeg Sports Talk with the founder of Little Brown Jug, Kevin Selch. All right, Andrew Patterson here. A very special day for uh, our friends and partners at Little Brown Jug celebrating five years. And it's a pleasure to welcome in the founder of Little Brown Jug, Kevin Selch. Kevin, happy holidays and happy anniversary. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Well, it's, it's a pleasure. We've had a great time working with you guys and being down here. And we thought, you know, what a great chance to have come down. Maybe talk a little bit more about the great story of Little Brown 
Crown Jug as you guys celebrate five years. Listen, before we talk about the beers and how you make it, I'm always interested in entrepreneurship stories. I mean, you're a guy from Winnipeg, but you, know, you pretty much left from school at 18. You're a bureaucrat in Ottawa. How the heck did you end up back here uh, crafting and uh, making some of Manitoba's favorite beer? That's, uh, that's a funny story. Yeah, I left at 18, went off to university. I uh, ended up working in Ottawa for 10 years as, a, as an economist there. Uh, but I wanted to come back to Winnipeg and I had to think about like, how am I going to do that? And I was getting involved with uh, local craft breweries in Ontario and Vermont. And I visited enough of them that I figured uh, I could probably uh, figure it out. So uh, I wrote a business plan and came back to Winnipeg and found this great place in the exchange and, and started making beer. Well, this is, uh, this is such a cool spot here on William Avenue. We'll talk a little bit more about it and the beer, but that also will start in the business. I imagine, you know, we hear so much. It doesn't really matter what business you start, but there's so much work that goes into it before you actually, uh, you know, tap a keg or, or crack a can. Yeah, opening a brewery is pretty interesting because you can't just like uh, dip your toe into it. You're either all in or all out, right? And, uh, and getting sort of a, a landlord and, and some investors and equipment and a beer and a brewer all like lined up was uh, quite the feat to make it all launch at once. Um, and of course, this building, which is... Um, quite the renovation project, working with the landlord on it, but it's turned out beautifully. Like we, we, we've made it into something really unique. It, it certainly has. Now, um, I think most people are familiar, if they're not, they should be, with I mean, the iconic brand, a little brown jug, the 1919. I mean, certainly there are more beers now, but you really started off, they're listening on figuring out what the 19 was going to be and uh, finally getting that thing on the production line. Yeah, so I used to drink this beer in, uh, in Vermont that uh, just reminded me of, like, on a hot day, you just want to come home and, like, crack that thing open so that's really what it was meant to to be that feeling of like can't wait that i can crack open that beer in my fridge and then um really for us as a business we just want to focus on doing one thing really really well and uh and the interesting thing about it is when we launched and uh you know we beat the pavement and we hustled to get you know different uh, restaurants to carry our our product um we had those tulip glasses and that was pretty interesting to see and pretty exciting for me to see Winnipeggers who had, you know, we had just started sort of a second wave of new craft breweries opening up here. But to see people drinking this uh, amber colored liquid out of a tulip glass uh, was pretty iconic. So I'm pretty proud of that and pretty excited. Well, I was embraced. And you know what? The tulip glasses, I mean, uh, if you order a 1992 pretty much anywhere in the city, I mean, you'll get that unless you're grabbing a quick can for a tailgate or something yeah. like that. All right. There's a little taste of the interview with Kevin Seltz, the founder of Little Brown Jug. Stay tuned for those of you that are with us on YouTube. Just stick around afterwards. I will say, and Remus doesn't want me to pump his tires, but stop. Did, yeah, I know. Did, he did a very good job. There's some really cool things coming up in it. And again, it's just a great story, a great Winnipeg company, and great supporters of ours here at Winnipeg Sports Talk. So we hope you'll check it out. And for those of you listening on the podcast, head on over to YouTube at some point over the weekend and check it out. But most importantly, um, of course, the new IPA Brutes available for the fifth year anniversary. And I have a feeling there'll be quite a bit of that as well as 1919 and all the other great little brown jug brews on tap flowing tonight down on William Avenue. The party gets going at six o'clock. It'll go till about uh, till about 12. And I did see, uh, I believe it was hockey guy Jeff said he is 100% in. Uh, big fan of some of the acts that are playing tonight. Um, so I can't wait to check it out. Hopefully see some of you there. Uh, but we don't need to tell you about uh, their support of us. And um, as I said, I think you'll really enjoy the piece coming up after the program here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. So that's coming up in about 10 or 15 minutes. But we've got business to take care of. Officially, we can 
close the entries for the Marble Race Ream. Let's get those names in. And uh, I, I saw some people suggesting that this might be the most packed Marble Race we've had yet. You can tell us, but uh, we'll look forward to uh, packing this out and seeing who comes away with our uh, hoodie as well as the I Love Ride package from our friends over at CC. Yeah, this isn't the most pack. I think we've gotten to like 140 or 150. We have 131 entries, and I am um, getting them ready to go. So thank you, everyone, who wrote exclamation marbles. T-Dubs WPG wrote, is this show on every day? Yeah, we're here every every weekday um, at 1 p.m. Central Time, and you can watch the replay after. So, Oh, there's Colin Jensen, uh, the camera guy, says, good work with the shooting and editing. I did use a gimbal. For that, I got to use some of my new stuff, and I did use a lot of um, the little brown jug. They had their own ad ads ready to go, so I actually just used some, borrowed some stuff from their social media. And I saw it last yeah. night. I'm not gonna lie, you know, it, and in regular listeners, especially those who've been with us from day one, you know, when we basically started this, and you know, Remus spent a, a plenty of time at the University of YouTube figuring out what the hell we were doing here. Uh, I watched it last night, and I, I I was blown away. And I mean, I did the interview. I knew what the content was in. It was a great conversation with Kevin about Little Brown Jug and beer and all that stuff. But the way that it turned out was something that um, uh, we're really proud on. And, uh, you know, it's going to be fun to do more things like this in the future. Um, so stick around on YouTube right after the show. You can see the entire thing. Leave a nice comment and make a point of popping down tonight to Little Brown Jug if you can make it for the big fifth-year anniversary party. Um, all right, Remo, let's get this going. We got marbles to uh, to do. What course are we going at with tonight? Uh, how are things looking? Yeah, it's looking good. I'm just getting it all um, all set up. I'm looking for the right course here. Um, I I feel like we've done we started we're at a point here, us where we've done a lot of these. Uh, we do, we've been doing this every week for a while. And if you're new here, we do do the marble race every Friday, two thirty Central Time. Um, I'm just trying to pick one. Um, I'm not really sure. This one sounds fun. I like this one. Sh Shattered Dreams. That's the name of this course. So. Oh, geez. Shout out to Goldust. That's amazing. Uh, Kabilis <laughs> will look that one. And Colin Jensen asking, how do I get a hoodie? Can I just buy one? You absolutely can. I know we don't pimp this very much, but if you go to winnipegsportstalk.com, click on the store, uh, we've got t-shirts, hoodies, a bunch of other things. I think we still do have a couple of hats left sold out at Royal sports, but there's a couple remaining. Um, and obviously mm -hmm. nothing makes us uh, smile larger than when we're out of games, bomber games, jets games, and see uh, so many of you, uh, repping Winnipeg sports talk and helping spread the word about it. It, it really is great. So yes, Winnipeg sports hit store. Everything is there. But we do have some special co-branded hoodies, and we'll be giving one of those out to our first place winner tonight. Um, so, Remo, what are you what are you thinking? What's going to be what's what's the course going to be today? Oh, I don't know. What is, oh, I picked it. Uh, Shattered Dreams. Shattered Dreams. All right. Shout out to Gold Dust. That's right. Let's get it going. The Shattered Dreams course, and all I can think of is that means we're going to have plenty, plenty of eliminations if it's called shattered dreams so hopefully your dreams won't be shattered um certainly hopefully bomber fans dreams won't be sh shattered on sunday afternoon is a big favorite against the saskatchewan rough riders mm -hmm. but um but the bottom line is right now there will be only one winner well there'll actually be two but there'll be one hoodie winner that's first place second place the i love rye package and uh 
Stick around. I may, in fact, have a special prize for the final marble. The final marble, not to get eliminated, but to cross the finish line. I'm checking in on that right now. Stay tuned. But uh, here we go. Friday afternoon, huge weekend coming up. Happy anniversary to Little Brown Jug. We'll have that piece coming up on the YouTube channel right after the program. But we don't finish on Friday without giving some stuff away and having some fun with the marble race. So, uh, Commissioner Remus, why don't you fire it up? All right. We're going. I'm hitting go. Oh, here they come through the Plinko machine. Oh, I like this one. I saw a big oh no from uh, T. Will in chat. Don't write oh no. I don't know what that what that means. <laughs> oh. Not yet. Oh, we've already had an oh no from our first elimination so far. Yeah. Looks like Shane is looking good so far. Shane Mason, Rhonda P. Rhonda P. is in the uh, first. Oh, this is a wild one. Many different paths for the marbles to make oh. it through. Oh. Jet fan just got bounced. Joe from oh Joe from Winnipeg. We didn't do that, but there was a few times we were thinking about bouncing you over the top rope today. Uh, just kidding, of course. Who's in first place right now? Rhonda P still leading the way. T Kona Polly is in the mix. Looks like T Kona's right up to the top. We've got the elevator taking all the marbles up to the uh, these tubes up at the beginning. The GF Liverpool is in the mix. I see Gregory. Dunk Dynasty looking good. Oh, Justin Fung over the top rope. Dunk Dynasty right now in the lead. Rhonda P right there. Leslie Mitchnuck with a boost, but no, that is, yeah, this is Shattered Dreams. That's for sure. Dunk Dynasty still doing very well, but it's all, oh, elimination at the end. This is, uh, this is the battle of survival. We got the bullet. We've got Candace Jane, I believe, in the mix. Candace right now. Looks like she is in first. Can she finish the job? There are some blocks here. But Candace is the winner. Who's going to get second? The I Love Rye package is next. It's coming right down to it. The Waverly West Wingman in, in second place. The Bullet is in second. Gregory Liverpool is right there. We've got a heck of a, a, heck of a race. All right, we're going to stick around and find out who the final... Who the final marble will be. Because if the final marble is able to go to the Jet game tonight, I have some tickets for them to go to see the Winnipeg whoa, Jets. Whoa, that's a big prize. It, exactly. It just, uh, this, this it was a late developing prize. Shout out to our pal Mike, who hit me up during the program and said he had some seats that he wanted to give away. And again, from our friend Mike Carrar, who gave us the tickets for the West Final. Tweet us, Instagram us, Facebook us, a picture of you being subscribed to the channel, either the podcast or the YouTube, and we will announce a winner tomorrow afternoon and uh, send that out. T-Will, right at the end, just about out. Theo Seegers is now the final one, and Theo might actually be the winner because I think Michael was out. Theo Seegers, final, final winner. Theo, are you with us? Theo, if you're in chat right now, let us know if you can make the jet game tonight. Yeah, T. Will, you uh, <laughs> you just about got bounced. So our Theo last, Seegers, last Theo finisher Seeger. was Theo. Yeah, yeah, I saw it because Theo was going to be, and then uh, and then Michael Smith got bounced. Um, so Theo Seegers, if you are there, yes, sir. Theo, can you make the game tonight? If you can, 
I see you say yes, sir. Theo, send us an email right now to uh, winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. And um, I'll send you some tickets for this game tonight. Um, and again, thanks again to uh, to Oha Mike, who uh, who set that up. Pretty excellent, uh, pretty yeah, excellent. Uh, course he says today. he can't make it, so we'll have to pick someone else. But that was a, that was a pretty good course. Okay, okay, perfect. Okay, I tell you what, we'll do this right now. Um, if you're with us in the chat and you can make the game tonight. Um, send an email to winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. We'll only contact the winners because I imagine there'll be many of you. But if you can make the game tonight, send it. I'll have some tickets to give away. We'll do that. And we'll, we'll announce who wins. We'll do a tweet uh, for that, just congratulating the winners. Uh, but right now, an email to winnipegsportstalk at gmail.com. We'll pick a winner, potentially two. I'm just going to see whether it's two or four tickets. We'll get that set up. Too bad, Theo, you couldn't make it. But thanks again for coming in. And again, our winner, Candace Jane. We've had a lot of women win. Great to see Candace taking the W. Candace, you send us an email and uh, we'll get your size. I believe it's men's sizes, if that helps. Um, I'm not really sure if it's unisex sizes on hoodies, but the sizes are what they are. And the Waverly West wingman, you do the same, and we will arrange a time for you to pick up uh, some Canadian club and uh, the rest of the uh, rest of the goodie box for the I Love Rye package. Uh, tell you what, Rio, the Shattered Dreams, one of my favorite, because it's not done until it's done, and you are not in until you cross the finish line. That was a great course. It was really tight. I thought the bullet was going to take it, but it was Waverly West wingman who snuck in there for second place right at the end. Um, I know uh, Candace here all the time, uh, both bullet Waverly West wingman. A lot of nice to see a lot of familiar faces uh, up there in the uh, standings of the Marbles. That was a great course. Thanks everyone for entering 131 entries. Yeah, no doubt. Uh, hey, I want to give a shout out to the Ice. A uh, couple big games this weekend, hosting Saskatoon tonight and tomorrow night, 7 p.m. at the Ice Cave. And we'll definitely, I mean, I know next week will be a lot of great cup talk, but we'll certainly be talking about the Ice because next week, if you go to any Ice games all year, next Wednesday and next Saturday, hosting the Edmonton Oil Kings. These are the top two teams in Canadian junior hockey tonight. The only team, I believe, that's beaten the ice in regulation this year has been Edmonton over in Edmonton. So this is going to be a serious heavyweight tilt. The uh, the Oil Kings made a big, big deal this week to uh, add potentially maybe the top defenseman in Canadian junior hockey. Um, so we'll hope to see the ice put up another couple wins and then get ready for the real heavyweight battle a little later on. So Candice, congratulations. Waverly West wingman, congratulations. And if you can make the game tonight, send an email right now. We'll put out a tweet in the next hour uh, announcing the winners, and I will send tickets as we have them to the winners, and maybe we'll see you tonight. And again, before the game or after the game, our friends at Little Brown Jug celebrating their fifth anniversary tonight over on William Avenue. Great spot if you haven't been there before the game, after the game. I, I will certainly get there tonight. I'm not sure whether it'll be before or after the Jets game, uh, but I'm looking forward to doing it all. And then, of course, Sunday afternoon, it is on Bombers and Riders, and you still got time. We won't do, we wanted to do the tickets for especially people that do the podcast. So uh, you've got until mid-afternoon tomorrow. We'll say one o'clock, get your entries in. Just take a picture or a screenshot either your podcast subscription or your YouTube subscription, and we'll do a tweet tomorrow afternoon announcing who is winning the tickets for the Bomber game. Man, a lot of winning today on the program, Reem. 
a lot of winning, a lot of prizes. Great Friday. It's always a good mood, a good mood uh, in here. No, for on, sure. On Donnie's asking about stat. Do we keep track of how many marble races have been done? Not really sure. I mean, it's all there on YouTube. We could probably just go back on every Friday show. We've probably done at least 10 or so. Marble races? Yeah. We've been doing these since the summer. Uh, long, oh, okay. uh, at least so, 10 uh, at least 10 uh, every sure. show and every week just yeah. sort of merges into one one great uh, <laughs> one long show one long week and one long mm -hmm. marble race next yeah. week's going to be amazing though great cup week bombers better be in it but got to get the job done against the riders on on sunday afternoon and again wheeler's thousandth game big night with the leafs coming into town on sunday but first things worse let's first things first let's see if the jets can get into the win column tonight taking on the new jersey devils at seven o'clock keep your eyes peeled to our twitter feed for the winners of the tickets but we will contact you directly and I'll, of course be sending them via email uh, wow, Remo, great, great week. And uh, I hope people will stick around and see the full interview with the folks with folks over at, uh, at Little Brown Jug. Yeah, we got to get out. That thing's going to premiere in about 40 seconds. So take us home, Huss. Awesome, folks. Have a great weekend. Thanks to F Apparel, Vita Health, Culligan Water, Manitoba Battery, Royal Sports, Not Auto Corp, Princess Auto, Boston Pizza, Nick and Nicky DQ, Canadian Club, Cool Bet Canada, and Little Brown Jug. Hope to see you there tonight. We'll be back on Monday at 1 o'clock and stay tuned for the premiere of our interview with Little Brown Jug founder Kevin Selch celebrating five years. Have a great weekend, everybody. Oh, my God. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com.